What's up guys, Damian Leone here, writer, director of Terrifier 1 and 2, and you're watching Below the Belt Show. Yes! The Below the Belt Show is closed captioned for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. and future king he is the last Numenorian and he's once you unite Martin Lopez back on BTB and he's doing this tonight instead of taxes fuck the government <laughs> likewise the good way to spend your Tuesday is here on BTB instead of doing your taxes that's why we file for extensions right so nonetheless guys uh, and I hope he can uh, hear us See us properly. The king of the 80s, a demotivational speaker, Chachi McFly. Are you with us? I am. And that was Martin who said that. Fuck the government, not me. That's right. Don't audit, don't audit me. Um, That's right. I'm a friend here. I'm an ally. I'm tired of being shred on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys. We have an incredible show from top to bottom, as per usual, man. And, uh, uh, I have to announce a really, really interesting guest uh, that I will be uh, recording uh, later in the week. He's got some famous parents, Cher and Sonny Bono. The one and only Chaz Bono will be uh, our featured interview tonight that I will be pre-recording. And uh, he's going to be promoting his new movie, Bury the Bride. It's a uh, supernatural horror film. And uh, it's about um, a group of hot chicks that go on a bachelorette party. And the fiancé and his crazy bloodthirsty friends join in. And what, of course, ensues is probably not what you expect, but uh, yeah, it's a horror film. So pick that up <laughs> as you will. <laughs> yeah, Chaz kind of missed the whole trans boat, I think. Chaz missed a trans boat. How so? You know, it was like, you know, Chaz was like the pioneer, right? But then it all went to um, Bruce Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. Yeah. And like, you don't really even hear that much about Chaz anymore from that. Yeah, Chaz was the... Chaz. Yeah, Chaz, he was the, like, I guess the... Um, the OG. He, the OG, he paved the way for other... The, the OT. See, now I'm bent out of shape. I feel like, you know, should have gotten some accolades. I agree with Chach. Right. We need to start a hashtag, recognize Chaz. <laughs> ot ot in the house we, we gotta give chad some love man original sure. trans oh, okay 
Dude, being first matters. Being first as Facebook, right. being first matters. Was he the first celebrity to 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 announce as a transgender? Well, that's really groundbreaking. Yeah, that is groundbreaking. I guess if he was before um, Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Chad's like the Neil Armstrong of of of, of trans. <laughs> that's right, and of course his famous parents. Um, my gosh, Cher. I mean, music legend, icon, um, and. His father, the late and movie icon too. Yeah, yeah, she's That's Hollywood right. royalty. The movie That's mask, right. triple That's threat. Right. So yeah. I was told by Chaz's rep, no questions about the famous family. So that sucks. You're not going to get any of that, but you will get the inside scoop of the the horror film, which is directed by Rob Zombie's brother, Spider One. And this is a little trivia. If you're familiar with the band Power Man Five Thousand. The singer of that band is the brother Rob Zombie. Like, who knew, right? I mean, that's kind of a – and it's interesting because Rob Zombie is forayed into, you know, um, directing films. As you know, he's got a lot of great horror films. And his younger brother, Spider, uh, <laughs> following in his footsteps uh, with this film, Bury the Bride. So uh, it was a crazy film. It's definitely worth a look. Available on Tubi on April 22nd. So um, – so that's going to close out uh, the end of the show. But myself and Chachi McFly, we got to check out our favorite horror convention. That's right. Monster Mania in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Yes. Got a lot of great interviews. You might, if you heard the opening promo, that was Damien Leone of Terrifier and Terrifier 2. We got to interview Art the Clown himself. Oh, he um, was great. David Howard Thornton. Yeah. Uh, we got to interview Amelie McCain, who plays the little pale girl. The who? <laughs> I touch. I know you're gonna try to trick me because yeah, I, I actually miss miss um misread her name during the interview and uh, <laughs> and we got a we got a couple laughs out of it. I thought about editing it out, but I'll no, keep, no, keep keep that in there. I'll keep it in for our listening audience. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we had to get another interview with the lovely final girl from Terrifier Two. Lauren Lavera. She's a smoking hottie. Oh, wait, uh, great actress. Um, she's from Philadelphia, and uh, she talks to us uh, at Monster Mania. And if that's if that wasn't enough, we talked to Andy Beersack uh, from the the band uh, Black Veiled Brides. Uh, he was in the movie called American Satan, which um, had a spinoff uh, called um, Oh Josh, a uh, Paradise. Uh, Paradise Lost or Paradise? Uh, yeah, I think it's Paradise Lost. Uh, <laughs> and um, not only that, Chachi, you got some great interviews. Who did you talk to? Oh, all kind of people. Well, Which, one, we're know, actually, one we're actually one we're going to play tonight. That's right, that's right. That's right. It was. I mean, you guys are the the Crypt Keeper, right? Yes, from Tales from the Crypt, right? Oh yeah. John Kassir, who actually, if you didn't know, went to Towson University for those of us uh, from the Maryland area. Yeah, so, you have to uh, ask him what his favorite bar in Towson was and like <laughs> where to go for crab cakes, how to throw out some Maryland references for him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I went to Towson. I never knew that he went there. So that's pretty cool to find out. You know, just a, another person more successful than I am from Towson University. From Towson. Towson got a lot of people. They had, uh, it did. The creator of um, Midnight Mass, um, yeah. oh, Amy Schumer, 
Amy Schumer, Stacey Keebler. Yeah, like a lot, lot of people who did better off than I did from Towson <laughs> University. And I'm very bitter about it. Yeah. yeah um, what was the name of that creator? Uh, he, he did um, uh, The Haunting uh, Hill House. Um, yeah, yeah. His name is escaping me right now, but he's also he also went to Towson University. Oh, the series? That was phenomenal, too. That was so good. Yeah. Do you recall the name of the... Um, the uh, showrunner of that. Um, Google. But, I, forget, I forget his name, but it doesn't Google. matter because he's Stop. more successful than me. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, Cookie always would bitch about all the people he went to school with. That was more That's successful right. than him. Now I know how he feels now. Right. <laughs> I wish I wish he was here if I can tell him my pain now that you know he went to school with Tupac and and Jada. Jada Pinkett and Josh Charles. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Okay, yeah, his name is Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. He was the guy behind The Haunting of Hill House and um, Bly Manor and uh, Midnight Mass, to, be, to name a few. Um, also Towson University. So, But we get to hear uh, John Kassir's interview conducted by you, Chachi, tonight. So uh, that's going um, to um at the halfway he point was, of the show. He was great. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of things in his voice as the Crypt Keeper during the interview. So it's really cool to hear that in person. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Chuck, you, a horror icon. You actually interviewed the um the original Valley Girl who uh that movie with uh Nick Cage, right? I did. I did. And that's uh, Deborah Foreman. Yeah, she was great. And like um if you've seen the movie, you know, she's the main girl in there who um starred opposite Nick Cage. She's on the poster. Um we talked to her about the um yeah, you know, how she felt about the uh, reboot they did, the remake mm-hmm. of Valley Girl, and like she was very lovely. And, you know, and she like talked a little bit about how I was working with Nicholas Nicholas Cage, and she also worked with Val Kilmer. Um, so a lot of lot of greats, you know, back in the '80s. Absolutely lovely, lovely woman. I mean, I saw pictures of her from the '80s. I'm like, I was kind of blown away by her her looks, but she still looks and amazing she's now. to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah she does. Yeah, I got to give it props for De- Deborah Foreman. Yeah. yeah she, um, she aged way better than all of us. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but uh, yeah. Oh. but yeah, nonetheless, um, wow, a great time at Monster Mania. And I got to throw um, a thank you to um, <clears throat> to the PR behind uh, the Great Stranger Sings parody musical. Now, um, if you're a fan of Stranger Things and you happen to be in New York City, they got a Broadway show, actually an off-Broadway show, happening um, from uh, now until August. Yeah, so um, it's uh, KSAPR who uh, took care of us uh, to check out Stranger Sings, a parody musical. So what you know was great about it, the, the actors that they cast in this musical were very comparable to the actors that you see on the netflix show i mean the barb was like a ringer she was from the picture yeah. she showed me yes yes and um the girl that played nancy very similar looking and they got the the wardrobe right they got the hair i mean they were wearing a lot of them wearing wigs so they didn't really grow out their hair but uh it's all original music and um it pretty much follows a lot of season one there are some aspects of season two but um, next week on Below the Belt Show, um, we're going to talk to the creator, Jonathan Hogue, um, oh, cool. the creator of Stranger Sings. That, but that's next week. Was there so, any like original, any um, real 80s music during it, too? Well, you know, they, they played 
the 80s music you love chachi like uh, at the beginning you know right before the performance started okay but because the music, the play. yeah but because the musical is all original music you can actually hear some influences of, of 80s music um in it um they all and the show itself had some other 80s icons kind of thrown in. I don't know if that's really a spoiler, but I, I can mention one of them. Um, uh, there was uh, one of the uh, characters that we saw was Beetlejuice. And, uh, oh, that's, that's funny. And um, <laughs> and uh, one of the Demogorgons did a Michael Jackson-esque type of dance from Thriller. Okay. So, uh, so a lot of influences in, in that regard. So. Um, but pretty exciting. I got to do that, and I also got to uh, check out um, another off-Broadway show, Little Shop of Horrors, which has a run, um, incredible run, and I uh, hadn't seen that uh, Broadway play in years and years and years, but I wanted to uh, check out uh, the performance of Maud Apatow. Um, the Apatow name should ring a bell. Judd Apatow is her dad. Leslie Mann's her mom, and she is one of the regulars on Euphoria, which is one of my favorite HBO shows, next to, of course, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, of course, and Last of Us. But <laughs> but love some Euphoria. Uh, didn't get to interview her, but nonetheless, I got to say hi after the show through the stage door. So um, all in all, um, yeah, good Broadway shows over the weekend. But uh, speaking of entertainment and being entertained, let's talk about everything uh, going on in the world of entertainment so here we go it is time for the hollywood report that's hot that's bananas that's off the chain that's right wow shop of horrors he said Little Shop of Horrors, not horrors. horrors. Okay, that's a different. Yeah. That's different than the movie I just watched. Then. Oh. <laughs> I I see where you're going. There. Little Shop of Horrors. I get it. <laughs> too funny, Chachi. Too funny. That's funny. Like, like actually, a true story. Like um, my my brother when he was young, he probably was like, you know, maybe seven years old or whatever. We were on Ocean City Boardwalk. And he wanted to go to the um, haunted house. But he yeah. was trying to say horror house, but he was saying horror house. And he's like yelling <laughs> to my parents, but my parents didn't want to take him. He thought, you know, he was too young, obviously, to go there. It would have been too scary. And then he's like, right, no, no, we can't go there. And he's like, he's like, I want to go to the horror house. I want to go to the horror, horror house. house. Oh, <laughs> my God. So he's trying to say horror house, but everybody's in the, when the boardwalk's kind of looking at him, like, why this seven-year-old kid wants to go to the horror house? And he's, you know, he's screaming and crying about it. Like it's. Holy. Well, actually, Ocean City, so they probably didn't think too much because it must not be too crazy of a scenario for them. <laughs> yeah, right. Like not terribly out of the ordinary. Yeah, some, of the, some of the trashy parents. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to uh, enunciate a little better than Chachi. Um, <laughs> but uh, no surprise, Super Mario Brothers for the second weekend in a row. Um, the number one movie. Um, raked in another 80 million the second weekend, and the uh, domestic total of 340 million. Um, it's actually on its way to grossing uh, 1 billion, though, in the latest article yeah. that I, I just re- I read. Um, so, um, so actually, the, the current, the current uh, um, number is 92.5 million. 
you know, so, it, yes. Crazy, crazy, crazy numbers. Crazy, and this is nothing what they predicted. They didn't, they didn't predict this was going to be. I know. Well, I was and gonna I, say, yeah. One of the reasons I love this is because, like, I'm sure you guys have noticed the last couple of years, like, critic reviews are now worthless because they seem to be bought and paid for by Hollywood. Like any yeah. Amazon show, like you're just not going to get an honest review because they like flood money into those dudes. And it's like, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. But the critics came after this. They said it was a shitty movie and everyone loves it. I right, love it. Right. Yeah. That's the, the thing. You're absolutely and, right. Yes. And usually like Disney is like the king of um, anything animated. Yeah. But, you know, this this movie I thought was really refreshing because it wasn't any kind of like bullshit when it came out. It wasn't any kind right. of like no like race swapping of the characters, like no like agenda in the movie. It's just a straight up entertaining um cartoon movie and well john langozan was very upset about that he, he's he very upset some, about it but he wanted some latin representation it. no one took him seriously like it didn't yeah. work this time and, and he actually portrayed luigi in the live action yeah he wanted like, more latinos to, to play italians but right that's okay i mean the biggest thing they've um bitched about with this movie before it came out was that um they changed like the accent of, of uh, mario in the movie yeah which they addressed in the movie and they made a really funny joke about it you know um, near the beginning of it, of why like his voice sounded a certain way other times, and it sounded like different this time. Okay. And it made sense. Like for people, have you have you seen that movie yet, Al? I have not seen it yet. Right. I need to see it, Chachi. As you know, well, he uh, plays he plays like a old commercial that they made um, for his plumbing company, and he was speaking with the old like it's a me Mario. Um, it's a me. It's a Mario. Yeah, in the commercial, and then afterwards, like the people watching it um, with him acted like it was too over the top with his accent and stuff. But, you know, and, and then he spoke like kind of like more normal as he did in the previews and stuff. So it was like <laughs> kind of showing like why he like why they changed the voice, which I thought was really clever. Like, it's everything clever. Was yeah, clever. yeah that everything. Is, that is a good way to do it. Yeah. That's a good that's way to do it. And Chris Pratt. Of, yeah, there's a ton of references throughout the movie for any people who were um, into all the video games growing up. Um, they're, yeah. They're inside of a pizza place. I think it was called like Punch Out Pizza. And there oh, was nice. Arc- yeah. There's an arcade game in there um, called Jumpman. And for, for people who know the video game history, um, the original character of um, Mario was Jumpman and Donkey Kong. So, but this because yeah, all he does is fucking jump. That's right, your old exactly. move. Or uses a hammer. Right. And that's before he was called. Um, well, if it's, it's a special item. Right. So that was before like he was called Mario. So like they yeah. just made the arcade game called Jumpman instead of Donkey Kong, which I thought was really clever. But there's a ton of clever references, and people will spot it from the different Super Mario games. You know. Um, like Rainbow Road, which you saw in the trailer, which is really cool to see in the movie. It's just just a fun movie, and that's why it's doing so great. You know, just like how Top Gun was a fun movie um, for Top Gun Maverick. It was. Yeah. It did nothing to really piss people off before they went to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean, like 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 Disney loves to agitate everybody before they bring a movie out, and then if you don't like it, are you glad this wasn't under Disney? Oh, oh yeah, Disney would have ruined it. <laughs> Like, like, no, but, uh, but for real, like it's become it's become like almost a marketing strategy. Like in is. the six months before something comes out, they try to say something outlandish to purposely upset the fan base, and then they pretend to be persecuted by said fan base. And like I have the sneaking suspicion it's all just to drum up a- advertisement, right? Because controversy right. breeds eyeballs. Right. But like, how many of you heard about the Little, Little Mermaid movie coming out and you have right. you know, yet to see it yet? But you've heard, like, you've seen like a thousand articles about it, you know, just in the right. past week. So it's like, it's definitely a strategy. Like, I don't know if I agree with it because, you know, I think Disney's doing a lot worse in the box office than they used to. 
Dude, they're, they're paying. For, so last fiscal quarter, they lost what four four billion, right? Something right. like that. They're getting just like it's not. Yeah, and I think I think it worked for like the first year, and now mm-hmm. we're at critical mass where we just like people can't stay at maximum outrage. No. And every time a movie comes <laughs> out, like you can't be mad about race and gender swap. You can't like for every film. We get too many films a year to stay this mad. Even right. supporters of the causes like can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm fine. Like, if you want to just go and hire the best actor for any movie, then fine, yeah. do that. But you can't say you're doing that, but then only do it for certain races that you're going to swap, and not swap other races. It's a good point, because, um, but you know, um, if it was a live action Super Mario Brothers, I wonder if they would have done something a little different. It might but, have been a thing. Yeah, the, yeah the but I think gives us a reason. Like, oh, we're all pretending to be voices. That. Exactly. Exactly. Like half the guys are women on that thing. It doesn't matter. Nobody fucking cares. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was definitely better than the original uh, Mario movie. Oh, which I, well, I just watched yeah. um last week too. You can't even watch that streaming. The original um uh, so, Super Mario Brothers movie. It's so weird. I found I it. Yeah. You found it? My oh. chats about that, and it's one of those things where like everybody's nostalgia is whatever. There's so many people posting how great the original Super Mario Brothers movie. I was like, what? It wasn't <laughs> great. Like, it was. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible, but it was definitely bad. Yeah, it's bad. Like, like I'm able to watch it just for some like '90s nostalgia and stuff, and like, right. But it's not the kind of movie that you can easily make live action because it's just too out there, and they tried to make it realistic, but it didn't. It didn't work. It didn't work. And and like, and plus they said they said so many different people got involved in that production, that movie, and even Disney got involved at the end to distribute it. So Disney watered down a lot of stuff they already did in there. Like I watched the director's cut last week that they have online where mm-hmm. the original director added a bunch of more footage in there that they cut out, the Disney cut out before they distributed the movie. So, it, and that was more like, I guess, more adult oriented, like type of humor they cut out. Mm. So, um, well, you got to do it for the kids, man. You this cartoon's please. definitely better, but this cartoon's going to open its way up, I'm sure, for a slew of different. Nintendo related movies after this. I think so. Nintendo verse, you're going to have like definitely a Zelda movie. I mean, they've been clamoring for that for a long time. You know, that that was our topic last week was what you want to see a live action movie of with the success of Mario Brothers. And um, that was actually brought up. Um, Zelda's my favorite series. Zelda. Legend of Zelda. I brought up Mike Tyson's Punch Out. I'd love to see a live action. Yes. See, I didn't grow up in Maryland. That's in the Midwest. And every now and then you don't get, like, the same regions don't get the same cartoons. Did you guys get Captain N and the N team? Yeah, I love that. Ca- Captain, N the, no, Captain N the Game Master. Yeah. So, so it was so phenomenal. He gets sucked to Nintendo. I used to live for, like, like the special appearances <laughs> by, like, Link and Zelda and that thing. And we're like, yeah. oh, we're going to Hyrule. <laughs> yep. It's good stuff, man. But Nintendo but you know should what? just stick to the animated. Make, like, every one of these things yeah. animated. Yeah, and I think they're going to do well. It might be the the way to go for sure, and all audiences can enjoy it. But interestingly enough, the number two movie. So look, eighty million right for the second weekend for Mario Brothers. The second movie only made eight point six million. Look at that big difference wow. right there. And that's the Pope's Exorcist. I do want that's, to see that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got mixed reviews. Forty seven percent Rotten Tomatoes score. Um. Um, I'm sure that's critics. None, none big fans of Christians these days. I'm not sure they're gonna. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> right. t- it's a tough road for us, isn't it, Martin? <laughs> but you can't, you can't call a movie like anything The Exorcist and not try to bite off the original Exorcist. 
Right. Because this has nothing to do with the original movie, right? Dexter says. Oh, this one's supposed to be based on a true story. But it's, it's not like, based. It's not based on anything on the original movie, though. The Exorcist. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I don't think there's a connection. It's yeah, a different yeah, the, guy with like yeah. a different scenario. I mean, I mean, that's like kind of kind of like the Pope's Rocky and it's yeah. a fighter. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you're biting off of um, <laughs> like like there's this movie I saw like that. It might have been straight to um, video or whatever, but it might have came out like a few years ago. It was called Gremlin. You know, singular Gremlin. And I'm like. It's about some kind of creature. I'm like, motherfucker, you're biting off the gremlins. You know, yeah. that. you know you are. You know, you know you're gonna confuse enough people, or you're gonna make a yeah. little bit of money, and they're gonna think it's the fucking gremlins, and it's called Gremlin. Yeah. Nothing to do with the original movie. So the third, fourth, and fifth m- movies, respectively, are Renfield, which Chachi, I know you're gonna um check out. Uh, I saw that. Oh, you already did. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you're, already, you're already ahead, Chachi. So that movie only made 7.5 million, but it was a number three movie. It had a 65 million dollar budget. Yeah. Um. What's your What's your take on Renfield? I thought it was fun. I thought I thought Nicolas Cage played a really good um, vampire, or Dracula that he was playing. You know, I thought he did a great job with it. You know, I think. I think he does great playing these over-the-top characters, and he looks like he's having like a lot of fun out there doing it. So, I'm, you know, I'm a big supporter of Nicolas Cage, and yeah, I, I still think he's great. And I thought it was a really um, enjoyable, enjoyable vampire movie. And vampire movies, you know what you're going to get. So it was, um, you know, in that vein, but it was still very enjoyable. I'm going to have to check it out, too. Again, I'm very, very behind. And Chachi, you probably saw Air as well, right? The uh... Loved Air. Of the biopic of yeah. uh, yes, the Air Jordans. Yeah, you saw yeah. two. Uh, you saw two. No, I want to. I just I know that the reviews are like everybody's blown out of the water by this thing. Yeah, yeah. I love any kind of um, docudrama like um, period. Oh yeah. This, you know, and welcome to Chippendales. <laughs> yeah, like, welcome to Chippendales was great. Like um, this movie, they like, don't go into it expecting to see like really anything about Jordan. You know, I mean Jordan's mm-hmm. there. Like you really don't even get a good look at his face, the guy that plays Jordan. And mm-hmm. he doesn't say much in the movie. It's more about his mother and, and his father, but mostly his mother working these deals to be like the first like kind of celebrity, celebrity endorsement for a shoe. Mm. Hey, wow. man, as long as it's one more reason LeBron is not number one, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, if you're a fan of Jordan, if you're a fan of Nike, if you're a fan of the 80s, um, this movie did it really well. Sweet. I'd have to check Oops. that as well. And a lot of lot of celebrities in that movie. Yeah, no, the cast list is amazing, yeah, for sure. Um and number five, John Wick chapter four. So that's your top five. Right too, yeah. Um and of course, yeah, we already mentioned um Super Mario Brothers well on its way to the one billion dollar mark and um it's ninety two point five million and uh could be the highest grossing animated film um it just surpassed frozen 2 that's that's oh, big fuck that's yeah big. dude i love that i love yeah. that so much yeah I, like i used to know disney's pissed you know they're sitting there watching these numbers you know they're so furious <laughs> the house of mouse is in trouble yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know the people always sit there like oh well you know people are, aren't going to the movie theaters anymore and you know like COVID, people are still worried about covid and like uh, people yeah, are watching at home no, people go out when they want to see a movie that they like. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a good movie. Make a good go movie. Out. Yeah. But like There's a small percentage of folks that want to stay home. But yeah, for the, mo- for the most part, we do want to go out and see the films in the theater. 
Yeah, but they like he's right. They want every excuse other than like they ruined Star Wars. They're ruining Marvel. They're like, yeah. make better movies and we'll come the fuck out. <laughs> make tell good stories, tell funny, entertaining stories. Like, keep keep the stories true to the source material. There you go. Not that hard. It's not that hard. not that hard <laughs> at all. Yep. Um. All right. Well, let's talk about some stuff uh, in production. Um. Start with starting with Blade. Um, they just announced the sexy, very provocative Mia Goth. You might know her from the X movie, um, and the sequel, uh, Pearl and, uh, the infinity pool. Um, but Mia Goth has joined the cast of Mahershal Ali's blade. Right. Um, so that should be pretty exciting. I'm not sure right, what character it, she's going to play. And they, and they, you know, they chose, um, what's the name? Um, Mahershal Ali. That is yeah, Mahershal Ali. That's right. And he's great, and and I'm glad they picked him. And but there, was there ever was there ever any question of not picking somebody who was black for that role, like ever, like like Disney, Marvel? Was there ever a question? Well, it's it's being true to the source material, Chachi. You know, right, and, and, right. and and a lot of people say that uh, Mahershal looks like a younger version of Wesley Snipes. I think it's a great casting choice, but I mean, I'm saying like, like Disney's yeah, always it's like time for a Filipino blade. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like like. High time. Thank you, Martin. That's what I but, wanted you to know, do. Just saying, Al's, Al's available. Call I'm him. I'm available, man. Marvel. Come on, Look Kevin. Look at that jawline. Why, <laughs> why, why do you guys hate Filipinos? Yes, why? You've never Come seen on. a Filipino blade. you got to give it a shot. Blade, ever. You know, um, I guess I could say I did uh, audition for a Mia Goth movie, the third... Uh, the third... Um, third leg. Yeah, the third leg of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so this is the second snow. This is a pattern. We have this a discrimination second, suit. Second right film here. got turned down for me. Right man, here. So. <laughs> yeah, All right. I got some news on Superman. Um, the movie's off to the races. So James Gunn mm. announced a pre-production. Yeah, I know. We're like, uh, yeah. Because no longer I, our buddy. I still like our it. Our boy but... Henry Cavill. But anyways. Yeah, I do miss Henry. I know. Pre-production has begun for the new film. Costumes, production design, and more are up and running. He's finishing the script now. He's got his eyes on a few actors. Hasn't announced which ones. But uh, casting probably will be announced very, very soon. Because this is the first uh, big movie in the new DCU. We'll pretty much kick off a new era. Um, I I gotta curl my hair down a little. There you go. And get this little, <laughs> little, little Superman action in this yeah. direction. Do you see some kind of like bright-eyed optimist, like um, that they're trying to start all this shit over again? Yeah. When people are pretty much like getting worn out from these superhero movies, yeah. they're trying to like reboot a whole entire universe that's gonna last like 20 years. I mean, that's that's some fucking balls on them. It is. I mean, I you know and. And everybody's saying like, oh, we, we, you know, we really want um, to keep Superman the way he is. And they're yeah. like, oh, no, we're going to restart him. We're going to get somebody younger so we can go 20 years. Uh, it's a huge gamble, you know. And he, he's, he's so good at it, dude. He yeah. crushed the role. I know. Right. I know. That's why it's heartbreaking. But this is James Gunn's decision, and uh, he's going to do what he wants to do. So we'll have to wait. I mean, obviously, we'll we'll hold judgment until we see the film. I feel um, like. So- Happened off camera. It's, it seems personal to me. Yeah, you know, right? And, and, and like James Gunn has, like, he must have, like, the best team on him to somehow scrub any kind of negative um, oh, yeah. news about him off the net and people don't even talk about it anymore. Absolutely, yeah. Like, he was canceled for a short amount of time, and he was, like, you know, I didn't really agree with it, but, I mean, there's people that have done, like, 
or said like way less than him that have gone on to be fine. So uh, no, I mean have gone on to be canceled. So I'm just surprised that he was able to like skate through and just come back and like just nobody ever talk about it ever again. Wow. You know his his tweets or whatever about raping babies or whatever he was saying on there and like that. Ooh, I missed that one. You know, yeah. That? Well, you know, it's interesting. Another uh, actor that has been um, his slate has been wiped clean, too, is Aziz Ansari. He's going to be making his feature directorial debut, Good Fortune. And it's going to be written and directed by Aziz. And, uh, you know, he, he was, um, I guess, falsely ac- accused uh, during that Me Too movement. Oh, he, he was totally false. Yeah, that was- And like he, mm-hmm. he did, I think, like the only thing you can do is that like come out immediately and be like, this is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And like told the whole ugly sordid tale, and like it didn't make him look great, but at least he didn't do anything wrong. But yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there, like right at kind of like the height of Me Too, where they're trying to get anybody. Right. And, and I know, like, um, you know, comedians have made jokes about this um, since then, but like, you know, he he did absolutely nothing wrong. And and this woman, mm-hmm. like, I mean, he was trying to like go on a date with a woman, which I, right. I guess in 2020, whatever, is frowned upon. For you to do that and like you know and then she was like oh yeah like we went out to dinner and then he was trying to like rush out of dinner to um get home you know with me or whatever i'm like oh my god like, like every other she, guy she in the world like she came back to his apartment like, yeah yeah and then he asked like several times you know this fine this fine like, before he did each step whatever he did to her yeah and then I yeah, think he I, was like putting in work yeah yeah and i think at one point everything he should have like, done i think at one point she like um didn't want to go on third anymore and then he said that's fine which is what you should do and then he got canceled for it yeah you know, for an amount of time and then she was like oh yeah you know and then i i wanted like white wine but then he ordered red wine and that was like that was like part of her like gripe about him to try to cancel him I'm like what are you talking about because of the fucking I, wine I that's yeah that's terrible. i'm now back on the other side cancel aziz i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Go back and read. White wine is claims. unacceptable. I like. I was. I was yeah. in his corner up until this very moment. Yeah. Oh. yeah, that he wanted to have sex with her. I mean, she she sought him out at a party, and mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, you see him. He he's he's no like, you know, Brad Pitt or whatever, right? Can we agree <laughs> on that? And he wouldn't tell you he is. Like, right. like The dude's aware. Right, and 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 he and she knew who he was, knew that he was famous, and went after him. Where like if that was a guy on the street, would people be going after women be going after him? I don't I don't think so. I mean he's a great guy, funny guy, but he's the guy you're gonna see across the room and be like, I want that. You know, so I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's back. He's, I, w- I would hook up with you. <laughs> but he did but he was canceled way longer than um. It James took him a Scott. while, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad since he was falsely accused, I'm glad he is his career's back on track with that movie. Yeah, it's like he didn't talk about even raping babies. He just had a. <laughs> a, a bad date. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Well, Seth Rogen and Keanu Reeves will be joining Aziz for this film. The logline is kept under okay. wraps. That'll be um, fun. So we knew, we know nothing about that film. And speaking of actor actors who are directors now, can you believe Clint Eastwood is going to direct another movie at 92 years old? That's that's amazing. Dude, that's called. Amazing. Yeah, his IMDb has to be like 27 pages right? long. Just and they're still good. Like. Yeah. He really lays an egg. That guy just understands cinematic story mm-hmm. structure. It's impressive. Yep. Juror number two. It's a legal drama. Ninety-two years old. 92. Yep. How can you do anything at ninety-two like that? Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. It is amazing. Juror number two is that it's a legal drama with Nicholas Holt. 
was in Renfield, as you saw Chachi and yeah. Tony Collette from Mafia Mama. Um, as a juror who begins to suspect that he may have caused the victim's death. Oh, wow. And the and the prosecutor conducting the Myrtle trial. Wow. A, an actual juror that thinks he might have caused the death. of a, That's an interesting twist there. Um, so that should be really interesting. Um, and uh, do you know that the Coen brothers are going solo now? Um, Ethan Coen. Say it ain't so. Well, just for this particular. <laughs> okay. As long as there's not a separation. I don't think it's a perfect separation. (laughs) But Ethan Cohen of the Cohen brothers uh, has revealed the title of his new film called drive away dolls. And this was shot up in Pittsburgh and, uh, and uh, it's got the beautiful Margaret Qualley, uh, Geraldine, the Swatha, the Swanathon Indian actress that you remember Chachi from the blockers movie. Was it Geraldine Ford? Geraldine. I mean, Geraldine Ferrari. Is that her name? <laughs> Not Ferrari. Okay. Uh, Vidi Feldstein. Uh, that's um, Joe Hill's little sister. Pedro Pascal. What? Coleman Domingo. Bill Camp and Matt Damon. All in this. Uh, Ethan uh, Brothers. Uh, sorry, Ethan Cohen of the Cohen Brothers movie. Um, that is pretty exciting and uh, interesting enough. Um, Margaret Qualley, she's kind of like the hot actress right now. She's got a trailer for this movie called Sanctuary, and she's very naughty, guys, in this trailer. Mm. Um, pretty much plays a, um, yeah, a, a crazy um, sex-obsessed um, uh, woman in this. Um, <laughs> very dumb. That, Al. Why can't a woman like sex, Al? I, well, no, no, that's why I said I'd like it. Why don't you go ahead thing. and bottle up that misogyny for me? <laughs> women, women can, like, Sex. Men just can't like sex. Right. <laughs> well, it's about her as a dominatrix and a wealthy client who engage in a battle of wills inside a luxury hotel suite. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't know who Mark McQually is, got, she, she is got the questions. No, no, no. Tawdry bought sex happens in a luxury suite. That shit's at the Motel Eight. That's where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Margaret Qualley is the daughter of Andy McDowell, Chachi. Wow. Yeah. And um, she's, was hot. she's a she's a um, Nepo baby, but uh, she's a fantastic actress. So definitely worth seeing. And um, when I first read this film, Mel Gibson and 50 Cent, uh, I thought of they were going to do like a lethal weapon kind of <laughs> spoof or something or but, you know, the white cop, black cop, you know, good cop, bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a they're doing an indie crime thriller together. It's a shooting in Vegas. Uh, it's called Boneyard, inspired by true events of an FBI special agent played by Mel, who uh, is hunting for a serial killer named the Bone Collector. There you go. I feel like they did this already. They have a movie called The Bone Collector about a serial killer. Yeah, and I think a lot. Yeah, they did. Yeah, The Bone Collector. Yeah. Totally a thing already. And this one's called Boneyard. But you said in it, they're after the guy called the Bone Collector. The Bone Collector, that's right. So they already did this shit. This already sounds familiar, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can give it a different name. But if I watch the movie and there's Agent Clarice and she goes down to talk to the, you know, the (laughs) guy in the... (laughs) So not only are they rebooting um, fictional movies and now um, rebooting uh, movies based on actual events. (laughs) That's crazy. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um let's talk about Mandalorian episode six, guys. Um who 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 checked it out? I've seen it. 
I did. And Chachi, I know you were very um, negative about the last episode with Lizzo and Jack Black. And oh, yeah, awful. And <laughs> I know awful. that. The <laughs> it was a little hard to swallow. That was just, you know. Yeah. You know, but this episode made up for it, didn't it? It didn't make up for it, but it definitely was the best episode of the season, which isn't saying much, but it still deserved to be the best episode of the season. Oh, so you guys are talking about seven. Yeah. Episode seven, yeah. The, episode yeah, eight, the final episode, drops tomorrow. Oh yeah, so I haven't I haven't seen seven yet, but don't worry okay. about spoilers because I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it soon. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seven. Okay. Um, this season has been a huge disappointment for me for Mandalorian because I I loved um, the um, first two seasons. This is season three, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. I, yeah, the first three. two seasons were amazing, and especially the way that it ended. Um, Last season with Luke coming out there and kicking ass and like so badass. Oh right? yeah, and we waited so long to see Luke um, behave like that because we yeah, didn't get Jedi that at faster. all. Right, we didn't get that at all in the um, in the sequel trilogy. Um, but then for this season, it's been trying to be something that it's not. Like I liked it when the Mandalorian was this um, Grogu and um, and Mando, whatever you want to call them, yeah. just going on adventures and didn't John. Right, there's kind of the two of them. This season, they try to just bring in all these other Mandalorians and just have like a. They made it so much bigger than what it, it was. What it was called, the Mandalorian, Chachi. <laughs> it's it, about the people. It's called the Mandalorian. It's not called the Mandalorians. Okay, that's fair. You know, it's not called every Mandalorian well, in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And that's where you thought it lost a lot of its luster because they bring in all these different characters. Like side stories and stuff. Like that one episode where, like, um, like, like, who's that one woman that looks kind of like a young uh, Will Whedon? You know I'm talking about when they the went outside Will, the story. Young Will Whedon. We're not talking about Katie Sackhoff, no? Bo, Bo-Katan Kreez, are we? Are you talking about the story where they followed the Imperial scientist who had been yes, trying that one. Oh, that woman, yes. Yeah. Katie O'Brien, who plays, uh, yes. She looks like Will Whedon to you? Yeah, a, a, young, a young one, you know. Um, but that whole side story that just went on way too long and like I didn't really care and stuff. And I know they're trying to lead to other. other they're leading shows. to something, yeah. They're, well, they're leading to something, but like I don't think the Mandalorian was the series well, they should have did it with. Like, like, like yeah. put that shit on the boring ass um, Andor. Well, you know, you know her character's linked uh, very, very much linked to Moff Gideon, Giancarlo right, Esposito. So right, uh, I think there was, you know, that was a way. Yeah, to, I'm sure it's part of his escape. Yeah, and that was kind but of I, I yeah, agree. part of his escape as well. Exactly. Yeah, th- this season does seem to be treading water a bit. We need our jaws to drop for episode eight. That's what we need. We need yeah, we do. We need so we need it. just like, like it did for for uh, season two, the last episode when we saw the return of Luke Skywalker, we were oh, just so great. Yeah, it's like floored. We need to do that tomorrow. Hopefully, I know we're going to complain get... a lot about different shit, but I don't like to complain about shit. I'd rather just be thoroughly entertained. I want to be on the edge of my seat, which I was with the final episode of, of season two, which yeah. like it came out like forever ago. But yeah, okay, I don't want to. <laughs> watch stuff and be pissed off or be bored or like not you know especially something like that was great from my childhood and and you know them go a weird way with it you know and you know so they're trying to tie this whole um series into like the movie they're the crossover movie they're going to do and then and or and all this kind of stuff i mean it's yeah it seems to be disney's great mistake is that they're now tying the success of their films to their disney plus streaming shows 
right. not realizing that nobody cares about their streaming shows. Like their numbers aren't good on streaming. The times don't happen. You saw it with Doctor Strange. Like Doctor Strange is a phenomenal character and has had great films, but then they right. built the entire multiverse of madness predicated on people having seen the what if animated series. People saw that series, so like, oh, it makes sense. But I don't know. I mean, a little bit more of the episode, Chach. I mean, uh, what did you think of IG12? So the IG11 was repaired, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> it was really funny because it was repaired by the Anzellians. Not a full repair, but you have to actually pilot the IG droid. And uh, Zellian was driving the droid, and it was certainly big enough for Baby Yoda, Grogu, to sit in the IG, uh, <laughs> IG-11. Did he say motherfucker in that little, the little – And that's the thing. That little Anzellian, there's an article that said, I'm out, motherfucker. Is what we're curious if <laughs> if that alien did say that. There's an article. It sounds it like it. It not confirmed yet by Disney or – or the kind or of thing like – you heard the stuff where you're like, like you're looking at a sound. I mean, because you're looking at words on the screen, and then you listen to a sound, and it's like five different things on the screen, different um, words, and right. you hear whatever word you look at on the screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some kind of weird phenomenon, but I don't know. If that's what this case is. You know, he probably, I'm sure they didn't have him say motherfucker on there, but it damn sure <laughs> sounds like motherfucker after you read the article. <laughs> it sounds like that happens like we were in a, like background hollywood stories it could have been one of those things where like they were messing around in the lab and they did a joke take where some guy said that yeah, and then sense. not meaning to some dude spliced it into the show and now right. we got a thing to deal with <laughs> <laughs> no but it was, it was a cool um it's a cool idea to have um grogu um inside of that droid yeah and and it was very instrumental because um, there was a war, obviously, between uh, the Mandalorians and these um, Imperial guards that now wear Beskar armor. Yeah. You know, so of course uh, Moff Gideon ordered for these Imperial guards with Beskar armor to take down the Mandalorian, kill them all. Yeah, you gotta you gotta like I mean, Grogu I think kind of took the back a back seat this season. He did. Uh, but but he, he did. I mean, he's a once in a lifetime type of character for disney they're never gonna hit that pay dirt again that they did with grogu um you know and, and i'm sure they're gonna try to do baby other stuff in the future but nothing's going to like hit like this one did so they gotta yeah. take advantage of this character and and keep them fresh but keep them as like a central point they should they should definitely and yeah you're definitely right about him taking a back seat but um at the end of this up ep- uh towards the end of this episode the, here was the wtf moment shot was uh paz Vizla, as you know he's voiced by john favreau the showrunner he's not in the suit i, I learned that even though uh it would have been cool to see john favreau sweating it out but uh yeah um and he he was the hero the this he was sacrificed himself for, for the rest of the mandalorians to escape and um although he took out all the imperial guards of beskar at the end there were three red and the name of them are praetorian guards these are the elite mm-hmm. guards that kind of like treated like second class guards in the last jedi because that's where we saw them because they're supposed to be the emperor's, uh, you know, um, elite guards to protect the emperor, you know, and uh, well, these, the crimson guard, the crimson guards, yeah. yeah. I think they're called the Praetorian guards, and they're all red, red yeah. attire. Yeah, those uh, guys are badass. 
They yeah. look really badass, and they sadly took it took the life of Paz Vizza. Paz Vizza, rest in peace. Um, one of the Mandalorians. Um, they're very cool. Like I always loved the um, Emperor's guards um, from the original, like Return of the Jedi. Yeah, like the whole red. And they didn't do they didn't do much in the movie, you know, as what they're doing now. But I always thought they were badass and yeah, underutilized. They're, yes, they're, their background is phenomenal. So like. Uh, there was a comic run called the Crimson Empire where like some of them rose up and tried to put Palpatine's shit back together afterwards. Oh, really? So here's the quick part of their training, which huh. is awesome. You get like six elite dudes out of the empire and then they get trained in sort of like, you know, some Sith warfare, etc., hand-to-hand combat shit. When it's right. down to like, when it's, da- oh yeah, when it's down to the last six, they get taken to like a Mostafar type planet where it becomes like the Hunger Games. It's survival until there's only two left, and then oh. the last two have to fight. Winner becomes the next Crimson Guard. Oh, wow. wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, as so I'm like, whoa, definitely. <laughs> you know, that'd be a cool series to watch. That would yeah. be really cool. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I pop because, yeah, they're, they're pretty much like the Praetorian, Praetorian Guards are kind of evolved from the Crimson Guards, I guess, because they are yeah. all red. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we never really got to see the, the Crimson Guards fight much. Like you said, they, they kind of yeah. Take a, yeah, he just, they just, just look cool. them. They hang out, and he's like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, that's really much all I have on um, Disney+. Plus. Um, although Agatha Coven of Chaos, Patty Lapone just revealed her character. Um, she'll be playing Lilia Calderu. Um, apparently, if you read the comics, Mike General Zod's not with us. He probably knows exactly who this character is. I'm but sure. apparently Lupone said that that she researched her and she's hot. She's hot. She's really hot. She's got a great body and raven hair. So she's the, Patty's got her work cut out for her. her. And the feedback was just really hot, super hot, hot, hot. Yeah, that's what she said. That's what she said about this character. Thank, thank you for the research. Thank you right. for that in-depth look. <laughs> <laughs> All right. HBO Max is now going to be called Just Plain Max now. Dropping the HBO uh, uh, preceding the name, and with that launch, yeah, I know, crazy, right? I just they had HBO Go, HBO right. Max. That's not like changing the name isn't the issue, gentlemen. Ah. <laughs> and and ladies, if there's any on the executive board, but uh, but uh, oh, you're talking to us. <laughs> I thought you were talking to HBO. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point, but. Um, you're gonna like. Well, you might like um, what uh, they revealed during this uh, announcement won't. of Max. It's a good chance I won't. A new Game of Thrones prequel series, yeah. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, The Hedge Knight. Oh, it's so good. Which is based on Duncan Egg, and so they Duncan just Duncan the Tall. Duncan the Tall, yes. And apparently, Martin uh, George R. R. Martin explained that the title will not be Duncan Egg because he said it sounds like a sitcom. Yeah. Like Laverne and Shirley, Abbott yeah. and Costello. It does. Um, he wanted Knight in the title, so um, that's what it's going to be. Um, so, oh, it's yeah. So good. It's going to be so good. What so you based on? You, you've read this so, novella then, right? Yeah, it's it's a short story he wrote. Uh, it's like a hundred years before the time that we know. On it's, Game of Thrones? Yeah, Game of Thrones. And it's... So it's cool because, like, you get to see ancestors of people that you know. Mm -hmm. So, like, you get to see uh, Eddard Stark's grandfather, and you get to – it's, like, in the middle of the Targaryen reign where they're, like, fucking crushing it. So there's, like, seven Targaryens, 
and only one of them is a piece of shit. The rest of them are doing their job. You get the Dragon Knight. He's in it. You get Robert Baratheon's grandfather. Okay. He's like so giant that and there's a giant tournament so like you see them all fight they all like joust each other they call him the laughing storm because he's from storm's end and like he just loves combat so he's always like laughing his ass off as he's crushing right. people so like it, it's it's right like in the middle of like the targaryen golden age uh and there's a great tournament at king's landing and it follows like a number of people as like their fates interweave throughout this thing and it ends up like greatly affecting westeros and the seven kingdoms but i can't tell you how or i'll ruin it okay. so it's the timeline after house of the dragon but before game of thrones right house of dragons roughly 230 some years uh before game of thrones and then yeah Duncan egg about 100 years. yeah okay. this is like yeah very close to right in between both oh cool yeah so right, mean, right before everything goes to shit so like yeah okay cool yeah i mean george r, r. martin is is now going to be an executive producer on this one, like he was for House of the Dragon, as you know, he didn't do much with the Game of Thrones series. I mean, you know, he was not consulted to a degree, but he's actually executive producing and he's going to make sure. That's why House of Dragon has been so good, I think, is because he he really made a lot of decisions um, in, in that particular show. Um, all right, Martin, I know you're going to be happy about this one. Harry Potter is going to have a TV series as part of Max, HBO Max. Uh, I would be stoked if it I wasn't a reboot. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing, Martin. We love the movies. The movies yeah. are great. They're good. Well, and it's not even that old. Like, we, like I we, know. Like we I saw know. This like you know, give me a difference that like give me the Deathly Hollows. Give me any of the other stories, right? But right. like, it's a bit early for a reboot of this. I death. agree. You know what? Yeah, but at least it's not going to be a movies again. They're, they're going to do a story. They're starting to do a series, so it's going to. They wanted to go seven season. And they wanted to have each season be one book, so they okay. can expand on the story. That's basically mm-hmm. what they're, they're trying to do. So that's crazy. They're going to redo those. Yeah, and, like, cash movies, grab. I mean, the movies weren't short, anyways. It wasn't like <laughs> right. right? It's eight films. Right, but but each yeah. film was like was like three hours long. Like yeah. So it's only going to be like you know probably like four more hours than what the movie was each episode. Yeah, I don't but know. I play yeah. Harry Potter on um, Webster. Webster's gonna be. <laughs> really? I don't know what they're gonna do for casting. They haven't announced any casting yet, but yeah, yeah Max is Max is going full force. Um, they're going. They're gonna do a Conjuring series now, based on the Conjuring universe, which is one of my favorite horror um of the newer horror um universes, and that's like you know Annabelle and the Nun and all that. So yeah. um, expect a TV series from that. That should be great. They're supposed to do another um, iteration in the Big Bang Theory universe. Uh, I'm not sure what they can do with that, but um, Sheldon in utero. Well, you know, they just sat down. They're like, "All right, what kind of shit do we own?" Exactly. And they're like, "What are our intellectual properties and right. what?" Can we... Let's remake yeah. it. Oh, we make what, sir? All of it. All of it. All, right. all of it. Spinoffs, <laughs> sequels, remakes, whatever you want to do. Let's. Do it all. Yeah. And of course, our favorite intellectual property from HBO Max are the DC <laughs> series. Um, the first one by James Gunn is called Creature Commandos. So this will be an animated series, which will premiere in 2024. The voice cast just announced David Harbour of Stranger Things and Dira Varma from Game of Thrones and from uh, Obi-Wan. 
Alan Tudyk um, from Doctor Who. Maria Bakalova from Borat 2. <clears throat> Zoe, Zoe Chow, Steve Agee, and more. So uh, Varma will voice the the main protagonist, the Bride of Frankenstein. So uh, this is a version of a classic horror, uh, horror character. Um, Does that really work anymore? Because who has time to watch all these different series? Like all this stuff coming out, like this is the, must not work. This is the first. You know, it's interesting. He, James Gunn's first offering in DCU is an animated series. So I'm just, I'm really curious about this one. So I mean, we'll just have to see because this is, a, you know, it's. These these creature commanders were a precursor to the Suicide Squad, and they were brought together during World War II to fight against the Nazis. Well, I thought he was involved in the Peacemaker, wasn't he? And he's also involved in Peacemaker. I think Peacemaker was is going to be one of the properties, that, and, and his Suicide Suicide Squad movie, those two will kind of carry over. That they didn't make an official announcement. I'm, I'm assuming they they will because he he was all over those two projects, you know. You know, like in a sense, animation's almost better. Because, like, even in the Star Wars universe, I would say, like, right. I really liked the animated stuff over the last decade far better than the movies. Like, the Clone Wars stuff was good. Like, Rebels was good. Bad Batch is good. Okay. Uh, same thing for, like, all of the DC Marvel stuff we get. Like, usually if you see them, whether you like the story or not, like, you don't walk away upset because you can draw the character how it's supposed to look. You can sort of, you know, in, in animated format... Superman always looks like Superman. Wolverine always looks mm-hmm. like Wolverine. You don't have the problem with like a bad casting or an actor that mm-hmm. didn't really deliver the mold that you're used to. So you can just focus on story, the look, the sound, all that's always going to work animated. That's a good point yeah. because when you have different actors that look, especially ones that look very different from each other, yeah, they're different, right? Like I love yeah. Wolverine, but uh, they got what's his face to play Sabretooth, uh, and like a great actor, and he did okay. Lee Shriver, right? Right, yeah, but he's just like yeah. not Sabretooth, man. It's not what he looks like. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see how that goes. Um another one is uh this is one's in the Else Worlds category. So it's not under DCU and it's a continuation of The Batman. And it's called The Penguin, which is a spin off series uh with Colin Farrell's uh and I dude, I checked out man, he is a mob you know like a mob gang leader type of uh penguin character for this particular iteration of the penguin and um and colin farrell i mean he did, he did an incredible job and i got to give a shout out to our boy michael kelly from house of cards who uh is going to be a part of that cast as well oh, nice. so, yeah but check out check out the trailer of the penguin it's pretty crazy it's a lot of a lot of killing in the trailer. you said it's a, it's a show it's a show. It's a series based on his character from Rob Pattinson's The oh. Batman movie, which have you seen The Batman? Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. He's going to he beats up a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I went back and watched um, Batman Returns um, not too long ago. OK. And it was, it was like I really enjoyed it. Like uh, I thought that. Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be hard to follow um, the first Batman. Right. It was with, um, Jack Nicholson. But um, yeah, I thought it, I mean it was super dark. It was even darker than the first one, and I thought Danny DeVito did a great job portraying the Penguin. And um, yeah. I think it's definitely like you know, some stuff didn't make a hundred percent you know sense to me that they did in the movie. But I thought it was really underrated that movie, and d- definitely better than what followed it. But that oh, kind of forever! Batman, Batman. Batman. <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, Tim Burton. Tim Burton's just a great. Tim Burton should have like Michael Keaton and Tim Burton just do it. Yeah, it should have been Tim Burton for the for those three movies for sure. Yeah, it would have had a different. uh, That's why those those films seem so disjointed. I think because they really are. Yeah, the different directing styles. Um, so as King Day, that was because McDonald's. McDonald's like. Batman Returns um, had a big promotion with McDonald's at the time. McDonald's was pissed because the movie was so dark and they sold all these toys and they um, kind of threatened not to do it anymore with um, Batman because, like, you know, the movie wasn't really kid friendly, they thought. So that's why you saw Batman um, Forever um, kind of just become so cartoonish is really to utilize the relationship with McDonald's, which brought them in a lot of money with the Happy Meal toys and the cups and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um Chachi as the king of the 80s, you're probably excited about the Gremlins um, animated series on HBO Max. They just dropped um, a trailer for that. So this will be um, a prequel set in 1920 Shanghai. And it'll be 10-year-old Sam Wing, um, the shop owner for the first and second Gremlins films as a kid. (laughs) So there you go. The the old man with the box? That's that's him as a kid (laughs) in, in the 1920s, yeah. And you now, know, this, animation this has been coming out for like, I swear like like for five years I've been hearing about this animation. Yeah, figures. they and you finally got a trailer now, Chachi. You can finally uh, know that it's going to be coming soon. I think it, it, it could have worked really well as a live action series. Yeah, it's interesting that they decide to go for the animated route, Chachi. Yeah, because I mean, people were clamoring to see a little more Gremlins. You know, that was one of my favorites as a kid. And I, I'm still that's one movie I'm really shocked they have not done some kind of sequel or reboot with it I'm yeah shocked. but they're doing a prequel so yeah. well animated but i mean this this is gonna i mean th- i think there's a lot of money on the table for that movie for gremlins 3 yeah yeah and the whole like genre like in the 80s that that whole like creature genre kicked off you had gremlins you had critters yeah. you had mm-hmm. tremors like <laughs> it's, it's it's all the same general thing like this weird thing shows up and kills all of us and we loved it like we loved right, those yeah. films <laughs> I think it's going to be great, but uh, if they do it, and I think they maybe they'll, they'll, they'll see the success of this animated series. If, if it's a hit, maybe they'll they'll go the live action route. All right, a couple more HBO stuff before we take a classic cut break. Um, this is a very very naughty series uh, called The Idol. It's um yeah, it's The Weekend. Um, his real name is Abel Tesfaye, and uh, if you haven't seen it, yeah, it's a it's from the creator of um, Euphoria, Sam Levinson. So you know it's gonna have it's gonna be very edgy, very dark, and over the top, probably a lot of sex. You know that's basically what happens in Euphoria. But basically, the storyline goes after a nervous breakdown. Lily Rose Depp's character Jocelyn's last tour. She's determined to claim her rightful status as the greatest and sexiest pop star in America, and her passions are reignited by The Weeknd. Character is Tedros, a nightclub impresario with a sordid past. So will her romantic awakening take her to glorious new heights or the deepest and darkest depths of her soul? And after seeing the trailer, uh, yeah, it's whew, man, it's it's hot, it's hot. I mean, Lily Rose Depp um, is yes, as you know, the Depp Depp name. Uh, that's Johnny Depp, uh, Johnny Depp's daughter, and I'm curious what he thinks about his daughter just. In that trailer, just pretty much wearing next to nothing and uh, going kind of crazy. So, uh, Chachi. Sure he had some speech about it being art and he understands. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. 
<laughs> I don't care. You gotta wonder how some daughters, some some fathers feel about some of their sexy daughters, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know where she came from, right? Yeah, she knows where she came from. Johnny Depp's balls. Okay. <laughs> no, I was gonna say I think it was California. Chachi should know. I don't know if you know. You know Johnny Depp's first film ever? Um, what after Twenty One Jump Street or before? Yeah, first movie. I'm not sure. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, that's right. Okay, yes. It's yes. a cinematic debut. That and was his first plays, one. Okay. Yeah, and wow. he plays Nancy's super good boyfriend who doesn't have sex. Right, Holy yeah. It's <laughs> like, like his first big monologue. She, like, makes him sleep downstairs on the couch. She, like, goes to bed and he's like, morality sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started watching um, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies last Halloween. I watched, I think, the, the first three. Like, I, I feel like um, Dream Warrior is the best. Yeah. Dream Warrior is. Was, yeah. yeah, that was a crazy one with the uh, marionette death, right? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, that was sick. <laughs> we interviewed yeah. that actor, Chachi. Well, and like the notion of like effectively fighting back, like the genre was old yeah. enough. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and uh, one more movie with Robert England, you know? Right. Yeah, before Seriously. he dies, yeah, before he retires from acting, totally just do another movie with him because he has to. It would make so much money. He absolutely has to, no doubt. And the last HBO thing I have is Charlie Sheen and Chuck Lorre. Can you believe they're going to work together again? This is crazy because I, I can't believe that <laughs> Charlie Sheen was fired from Two and a Half Men, and then they brought in the daughter character or whatever. And now it's um it's a comedy on Max called How to Be a Bookie, and it stars comedian Sebastian Maniscalco. And this is twelve years after their departure because you know they they had a very heated departure from the show. Yeah, it wasn't you know, good. And they had the piano like land on top of his character, Charlie That's what Harper. It was. Yes, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. And um apparently Laurie appearing on cameras uh saying winning after the piano falls and, right. you know? it, that was dumb, yeah. And I guess you could say never say never, you know. Um but you know, he's Charlie had res- uh, expressed regret for his actions and he hoped to make amends uh, with Chuck Laurie, but uh I think that's pretty freaking insane so um that's crazy yeah money talks money talks definitely but i think this is a good time to take a uh, chachi's classic cut and uh our interview break to john cassier a pre-recorded interview from monster mania and um and we'll come back we're pretty much almost done um and uh we're gonna wrap at a uh very desirable hour <laughs> yeah. so chachi why don't you go take it away yeah Real quick before that, Charlie Sheen's another person who kind of got off scot free from being canceled. You like, think? Like, yeah. Well, it's just like being on eight drugs a day. No, no, I'm talking about after that. I'm talking about um, if you if you um, follow like um, the Corys and like um. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, like um, Corey Feldman came out in a documentary um, claiming that Charlie Sheen um, molested um, Corey Haim. Yeah. On the set of was it Lucas? That it was. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Which is too bad because I love that movie. I used to watch that all the time when I was a kid. Right. And that was a big revelation because because like mm. uh, apparently um, Corey Feldman was not talking about it for years and years, and and then he finally like came out on his um, special he had a streaming special, and I think right when that came out, I think COVID hit like maybe like a day later or two days later, and just wiped it like, completely off the news cycle, and that's all you heard about COVID for like you know, three years after that. And so it never really picked up steam when I thought, you know, that, you know, it, it may have, you know, otherwise. 
Maybe. It, it may also be the male-on-male thing. Like, we've sort of, like, decided as a society how to respond to women getting harassed. Like, it's right. almost like it's too big for us mentally to handle when it happens to a dude. Yeah. So everybody's kind of like, oh, that's too bad, and then goes back to what they were doing yeah. as opposed to dealing with the fact that somebody just got sexually assaulted. They just happen to have a penis. It, it, it also seems more like if it's, like, um, when you're messing kids that, like, Hollywood and the media, like – looks at it as not as bad as if like if um charlie sheen would have like molested or raped a woman you yeah. know like if he raped a woman he would have been done and over with and that would have been it forever but you're like i don't know it's just something to think about yeah well i think this is a good time to make a class a break. Break. on, on yeah. that happy note yeah, yeah. yeah. all right um chachi i'm sure you want to hear your theme song I do. My happy it's been a minute right yep all right so here we go Where my dog's at. It is time for King Chachi's Classic Cuts. Holla at your boy. Chachi. Chachi. It's been a minute. That's right, Chachi in charge once again with Chachi's Classic Cut, where... Each and every week that I'm on here, so not often, I'll reach into the dusty bag of cassette tapes I have here. You know, I'll take a pencil out and wind it up, make sure the um, actual tape out of the cassette tape is not falling out, and get it nice and ready for your listening pleasure. And this week is no different. And we were talking about the interview that I did over the weekend with That's um, right. John um, Kasar. John Kasir. John Kassir, yep, that, um, um, you know, the Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt. That's right, the know. voice of the Crypt Keeper. Iconic, we're talking about HBO Max, and then now it's called Max, but that this is one of the biggest series on HBO early on. That's true, good tie-in, yeah, too. Biggest, like, live-action series. But, you know, this song is actually the theme song from Tales from the Crypt, and anybody know who um, composed the, the theme song? You know, Martin? Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, oh, the legend. And I don't think Danny Elfman gets enough credit because, you know, we all talk about um, John Williams, which we should, that he's a legend. But then also Danny Elfman. I mean, he started off in Boingo Boingo, which, I mean, mm-hmm. if you listen to this show at the end of every episode, you hear um, Goodbye, Goodbye, Goodbye um, song, a little clip from that. And that's an Oingo Boingo song, which was his. But he has done so many different movies you know he parlayed his career into doing movie soundtracks over the years and just so many like just about every classical one i mean look, look starting off in the 80s i mean he started off with like you know peewee's big adventure you know and then he went to like back to school he went to summer school he went to beater juice you know he went to big top peewee he went to scrooge he went to the original batman you know he went to dick tracy he went to dark man you know he went to edward scissorhands he went to batman returns nightmare before christmas i mean these are just this is just up to 93 and he has done it like almost every single year up till now, these great, you know, movie TV show soundtracks, you know, just a absolute legend. And this is the one from tales from the crypt, which once you guys listen to it for a few seconds, I'm sure you probably hear the song all the time, every Halloween season, but this is, um, Danny Elfman doing tales from the crypt. All right. Following that John Kassir, the interview, Chachka at Monsterbania. 
We'll be right back here on BTB. We're here at Monster Mania, and I'm excited. This is a horror icon. You know his voice. His face looks much better in person than on screen. This is John Concier. John Concier, you know him as the Crypt Keeper. That's right, kiddies. <laughs> <laughs> Love that laugh. So, tell us from the Crypt. I mean, people still remember it came out in the 90s. You know, it had the, the cartoon spinoff. Um, How'd you come up with the whole voice and the whole laugh? You know, I mean, I went down to Kevin Yeager's studio where they were having the auditions and I was doing another series for HBO, so they invited me down. You know, they knew that I did a bunch of other uh, voices and characters in my stand-up, so, um, you know, they invited me down and I had I, collected the comic books with the, as a kid, so I kind of had an idea what I thought, you know, the voice should, should be like. And then, of course, once I saw what Kevin was doing with it, you know, I with the holes in his throat and the whole deal. You know, I thought that that was uh, a good way to go. Once, I, as soon as I started doing it, I'm sure Kevin had been sitting there for days listening to just not the right voice. And when he heard that, he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, come on, keep going," you know, kind of thing. And and he started laughing, and I started laughing, and. I was like, oh, great, the Crypt Keeper laughs at his own jokes, and it just went on from there, you know. So you always were the first choice to do the voice. You know, he he recently told me in a, a podcast we did together that uh, um, once he heard that voice, he told the producers, he goes, if you don't hire this guy, I'm not going to do it. Cause oh, that's, wow. That's the voice that's going to match with what I'm doing, and and uh, the rest was history. <laughs> that's a great endorsement. <laughs> yeah, really, from Kevin Yeager, yeah, oh. definitely. And Tales from the Crypt, like one of the, like, I think one of the, like the first big shows, the big series on HBO, and now you, everybody knows HBO is the place for all these groundbreaking series. Um, at the time, you had so many different like anthology type of horror series. You had like Freddy's Nightmares in the late '80s. You had the Friday Thirteenth series. You had Tales from the Dark Side. What do you think made um, tale, um, Tales from the Crypt stand out amongst all of those? The Crypt Keeper. No, I, I mean honestly, uh, the Crypt Keeper. You know, I mean, when you have an uh, anthology series, um, you know, nothing gelled Twilight Zone better than, than you know, than uh, uh, um, your, the host. You know, I mean, um, Rod Serling was the best. You know, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Alfred Hitchcock was like, a, you, know, little, you know, a little fat, jolly, little bald version of the Crib Keeper. Well, yeah. He even told puns in his, you know, intros. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that's... One of the things, of course, it was also based on a highly um, controversial comic book from the 50s and 60s. Oh, that's that, okay. And every single one of the stories, except the very last one, the Three Pigs episode that we did, out of 93 episodes, every single one of the other ones is all based on stories from uh -huh. EC Comics um, that they had licensed from EC Comics uh, through William Gaines back in that time. Wow. Yeah. So what was your favorite episode out of the whole series? Oh, well, yeah, of course there's Oil as Well That Ends Well that <laughs> stars me along with Priscilla Presley and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and Alan Ruck and, and Rory Calhoun. And, um, a great cast. Great cast. Uh, uh, but uh, 
uh, but honestly, I always loved The Man Who Was Death with William Sattler, uh, directed by, uh, um, uh, Ry, I mean, the music's by Ry Cooter, and uh, just a, you know, just a great episode. Um, so classic and one of our first episodes. Uh, always loved Ventriloquist Stummy oh, yeah. with Don Rickles and Bobcat Goldthwait and that Richard Donner directed that one. Oh. It's a really, really amazing. Like everybody, who's who of Hollywood came out oh, in it. this series. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and those guys were all producers too. Walter Hill, who had directed um, The Man Who Was Death, was one of the producers as well as the director. As was uh, Dick Donner, who directed uh, uh, Ventriloquist Stummy, and then of course uh, um, our showrunner. Um, Gil Adler had directed one called Death of Some Salesman. And it's just so amazing because Tim Curry plays the mother, the father, and the daughter, Winona. And, uh, you know, this family that uh, kind of takes advantage of uh, uh, Ed Begley Jr. And that's one of my favorites just because of Tim Curry's performance, you know. So were you all your um, recordings, were that separate from the actual recordings of the episode, I guess? You know, or were you on the same set? Well, you know, I mean, I, I certainly was, uh, I certainly was um, invited down to the set uh, anytime I wanted. I do remember going down to see... Tim Curry as Winona oh, doing yeah. his thing, but um, uh, you know that's how it was. Yeah, right. and then he spun off to the cartoon. Was it hard to translate Tales from the Crypt to a Saturday morning cartoon series? I remember as a kid you watching know, it. I, not for me. I mean, they wanted to tone down a bit, but I, you know, I said you really don't need to. I go, you do know, kids are watching this. <laughs> the, uh, the the series are like, oh no, no, no way. I was like, yeah, they are, and now I have proof. Because every single one of them comes up to get an autograph here. Oh, so, uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, You're right. I'll tie it up with that, you know, because seriously, um, if you want to think about it, the Crypt Keeper was the gateway drug to horror. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, great. And like, um, before we go, like, you're a Baltimore boy here. I grew up in Towson, right? Uh huh. And went to Towson University, like I did. Uh -huh. um, what was the best bar in Towson when you went there? Best bar in Towson. Yes. Oh my God. Well, you know, uh, sources is, was always yes. great. You know, we used to go in there and just uh, hang out by the uh, polar bear and have a beer. You know, I mean, it's uh, that was. I mean, there was so many good ones. The the crease. Yeah. Was there back in the day? I don't know what beer, what bars are still there these days. Not many more. Like no. CVP still there. Yeah. And did you actually um, was your major anything related to theater? I was theater? a theater was? major. Okay. I, that's where I started my uh, my full time acting career. Really. Yeah. And for the people here that live in Maryland, best crab cakes in Maryland or, or where? Oh well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. Of course, I go to my my good buddies down there at Costas for crabs. Oh, you nice. know, uh, great ones. You know, they they make a great crab cake as well. All right, all right. I can talk to you all day, but I know you have limited time. But can you just let you, the people know who you are, where you're from, and you're listening to Below the Belt Show? My name is John Cassier. I'm the voice of the Crib Keeper, and you're listening to the Below the Belt Show. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. All right. Wow. Look at all those tie-ins. You know, we talked about HBO and then Damn. HBO's uh, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and then ending with uh, uh, the great interview uh, with John Kassir, the voice. Yeah. That's pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. That's what uh, great. Oh, kind of, I like iconic 80s sound bites. 
Like, you don't even have to play the intro. You could just play the Crypt Keeper laugh, and people would know what it was. Yep, exactly. And I'm glad that he provided such an iconic laugh during the interview, Chachi. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was he was great. Yeah, and, like, and you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt started in 1989, June 10th, yeah. so just barely squeaked out the tail end of the 80s. <laughs> it, it qualifies as an 80s show. Then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to Netflix, guys. Um, There's a very popular uh, Broadway play with Sam Jackson and John David Washington, as you know, Denzel's son. And uh, because of such a successful Broadway play, they decided to make a live-action movie based on the play, and it's called The Piano Lesson. Hmm. And this uh, movie... Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson, that's right. Ah. The bad motherfucker. (laughs) And he's in a piano movie? He's in a the bad motherfucker is in a piano movie. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's a screen adaptation that follows um, Latanya Richardson Jackson's directing her husband Samuel L. Jackson on Broadway, opposite um, John David Washington and Danielle Brooks of Orange Is the New Black, and this is um, a stage drama about. African Americans um, dealing with their with their painful past. So um, I'm always like astounded when a married couple can do something like that. Like yeah, right. You could be on set together as long as there wasn't like a hierarchy. But if one's the director and one's the lead, oh man, you know they have days where like just like a scene's not going well and she walks over and she's like, "Listen, I need you to see." It's like you're doing that thing again. You know you're doing that thing again. <laughs> I didn't know his wife was was a director. Back up off me. <laughs> Did you know that Sam Jackson's wife, Latanya no. Richardson Jackson, was was in the business? I, w- I wasn't even aware. <laughs> no, I no idea who she even is. Yeah, she seems like a she doesn't talk about her much. I don't know. I, I, I didn't know he was even married, honestly. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like he rarely talks about his wife. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if she wasn't, she's in it now. Like successful Broadway to feature film means now you're officially in it. That's the real shit. That yeah. is the real shit. Yeah. And um, let's see. Where, where the, she too. Oh wow, she <laughs> <laughs> guilty by association, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the the dramedy beef uh, with Stephen Young from The Walking Dead fame um, is uh, the number two spot with over seventy million hours viewed. Quality. The, I, I don't I haven't seen um, the series I, yet, but I saw you? It. you saw it. Yeah, it's cool. You binge the whole thing, or did you watch? Yeah. Just, oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty. Well, I'm I'm like I'm a big fan of Wong. Like she's just her stand-up specials crush it. She's been a big fan. I like that. She's, yeah, Ali Ali Wong. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and like it's my kind of humor too. Like it's quick, it's intelligent, it's not irreverent, but it's not you know they're not going for shock value. It's more based on like anecdotal intelligence. So like it's really fast moving. Put it this way: there was like twice in that series. I thought it was about to get stale and then they switched directions and like went a whole new way. And I was like, I, I really appreciated that. Like that writer's room sensed when they were about to get cliche and then they, they took a left turn and I'm like, good for you. And wow. that's, that's how you do it. I've heard great things about the show. So that's another yeah. great positive uh, review on that. But there's some negativity associated with beef, not in the form of reviews, but one of the actors. Did you Rapita? hear about one of the actors? So uh, got it. What, what's going on? Yes, yeah, so um, it's uh, let me pull up that up here. Um, here comes the tea. 
a controversy involving co-star David Cho. I'm not sure exactly which character he plays, but apparently, yeah, he's uh, the Asian guy, right? <laughs> right, he's one of the Asian guys. Is that who he was? So apparently he was on a podcast show, not Below the Belt show, um, and he said he, he called himself a successful rapist because he was able to seduce his massage therapist. And then, of course, he had to... Wait, you sure you didn't say flamster with a fist? <laughs> like, you sure you didn't? I don't know about that, but... Uh, but yeah, yeah. no, he, in the episode of the podcast, he said he once compelled a masseuse to perform oral sex on him. At one point, called himself a successful rapist because of that, and he said, I want to make it clear that I admit that that's rapey behavior, but I am not a rapist. So... Apparently they pulled up this previous interview and uh, got him a little bit of heat. Um, and uh, for some oh, reason, I don't know how, but he was able to get that video from the podcast. And I guess the podcast agreed to take it down for some reason, um, which he said they want to um, pull themselves to. We would, know. we would probably, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we would have left it up if he said no, that. taking it down. We would have pulled it down, yeah. Um, but, but he kinda, um, he kind of like he kind of did it to himself on this one. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing to say. It's like, a weird oh, thing a, to joke about. I'm a rapist. You know? Here we go. Like, yeah, because that's like completely unprompted. Like, hey guys, just so you know, I think I came pretty close to rape. Yeah. Got away with it, so it's kind of rapey. Yeah. So just just to clear the air, I'm not yeah. a that. Like, that's a weird yeah. thing to do. Some people might not think this is rape, but it definitely was. Like, yeah. <laughs> So of course he has to apologize. Uh, uh, Chloe uh, Chow, Cho Cho uh, apologized on his Instagram account. How does one apologize for a lifetime of doing wrong? He said, his pastor, "That's yeah. what he said. Lifetime." Yeah, deeper, right. deeper now. He said, the, <laughs> "Through my past three years of recovery and rehabilitation, I've attempted to answer that question through action and understanding." And he said. He, he related a story simply for shock value that made it seem that he had sexually violated a woman. Though I said those words, I did not commit, commit those actions. It did not happen. I have zero history of sexual assault. I'm deeply sorry for any hurt that I brought to anyone through my past words. And, okay, and goes on. Problematic. A lifetime of doing fucked up shit was the apology. And this is a one-time thing that never happened. Doesn't jive. Also, what has he been on a three-year fucking recovery from? Like, well, mental health issues. What he said. He okay, said, well, I spent the last from- three years in a mental health facilities, healing myself and dedicating my life to helping and healing others through love and action. All right. <laughs> maybe he just says, maybe you know, it's a little bit of Tourette's of the mouth. I don't know. Seems yeah, odd. Yeah, like he. Yeah, like I think he's trying to self-sabotage his career. Yeah, maybe. It sounds like it probably is some kind of mental health issues where he's just trying to like destroy right. himself by right. coming out saying this crazy shit. And like, you know, I mean, he even contradicts himself because I mean, I guess if you're a successful rapist, you're not going to go and talk a uh, podcast and talk about it. Well, but, and it's a weird thing to call like yeah. rub and tug is a well-known industry. So like, if you got one of those, you didn't do anything, man. Right. Like, that's, yeah. You know, right. I guess because it's like got America's more dirty on, little secret is like those <laughs> rub and tug parlors. <laughs> Unbelievable. He got more than a tug. He got some oral oral pleasure out of it. So well, maybe that's I mean, what he's hoping to. You know, say whatever. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so but that's not rape, though. If if he was paying for a rub and tug, you know, hey, you know, they got the yeah. extras, right? 
Which from what I what I heard, what I heard, gentlemen. <laughs> You've heard things. <laughs> I've heard things. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm sure they're in Maryland. Like I don't I don't know how one like figures out what's the rub and tug one from a normal massage parlor, but like my suspicion <laughs> my suspicion is that Maryland has several if I were a betting man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From what I was told, it's the one past certain hours of operation. There you go. Oh, There's yeah. like so many massage parlors. If you're a listener, you don't know what I'm talking about. I moved to Baltimore like 15 years ago. There's like a massage parlor per every eight city blocks, like roundabouts. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not that many people walking around with um, bad backs. Right. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Call it a win-win. You get your back yeah. taken care of. You get your. Yeah, you don't. You don't need. <laughs> you don't need a massage at like, um, midnight for like a sore neck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. At 1 a.m. Big meeting in the morning. Oh, right. Yeah. I gotta go get this knot in my shoulders worked <laughs> on. I worked long hours. Had to come here after my evening job. Oh, All right. What else do we have on Netflix? A four-part limited series with the Hulk, Mark Ruffalo, um, and it's from a Pulitzer Prize-winning win- novel, All the Light We Cannot See. Okay. Wait a minute. You know this? What, why is a four-part series of the Hulk on Netflix? Shouldn't be Disney Plus? No, well, it stars it the, the Hulk. Hulk actor. It's oh, Hulk actor. you're just saying Mark Ruffalo sees <laughs> it. Mark yeah. Ruffalo. I, I like got to call. Excited. I was like, I'm all about a Hulk miniseries. That's the shit. Why is it on Netflix? I was like, <laughs> bring back Daredevil. Bring him back. <laughs> I like to refer to uh, actors by their um, fandom um, characters. You know. You got me all hot yeah. and bothered, man. <laughs> you didn't what was know. This thing about. But um, I mean, it's it's a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, so you know it's yeah, it's a past. big story. It's a pass for you, Chachi. Yeah, you said Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, I'm done. Pulitzer Prize doesn't do it. <laughs> I'm I'm a reader. What's the story about? Hit me. It's about a a blind French girl and her father, yeah, uh, played by Mark Ruffalo, <laughs> who guard a story diamond. From... Oh wait, wait. Oh, he's playing a blind French girl. Well, no, uh, that the 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 blind French girl's the daughter. It's quite an and acting they... job. They guard a storied diamond from the Nazis as they escape German-occupied Paris. So this is the during the Nazi era. Yeah, that could be cool. Nazi Germany, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's yeah. I mean, um, I guess they want to win the limited series award there. Yeah, I was just reading today that Netflix is actually ending ending their like um, mail order disc rental service. Oh wow! Which I didn't know it was still been going on. Yeah, I didn't what know it was will, still up running. What will the boomers do? Yeah, so this is what started the whole Netflix um, company. Is like when they sort of rent rent DVDs. Oh yeah, I mean, over the mail. That's what we did before they were streaming. Yeah. And this is like. Terms. And did not know that. And people like credit the um, word Netflix uh, wanted to sell their company to Blockbuster and Blockbuster didn't buy it. But Netflix at the time was, was just this mail order um, DVD rentals company. It wasn't there wasn't any kind of online streaming, and it wasn't the company that you know and love today. Right. People always like, oh, like Blockbuster makes such a huge error, and they could have been the Netflix of today. But there there was no right. telling that they would have ever gone into streaming or you know even been around today if they had bought Netflix. If they went in, if they predicted the future or went in a time machine and knew how popular streaming would be. Yeah, today. Yeah. I don't think like I, I've been a Netflix stockholder for a long time and oh, like wow, that's the whole fuffle because like yeah they they were printing money but mostly off of the mail-in orders not the digital stuff and when the right. board made the decision to go full digital 
the stock tanked. It dropped from something like ninety dollars a share, ninety to hundred share, to maybe like twelve. Wow, like, really? Yeah, because everybody just saw doom and gloom. They're like, everybody uses DVDs. That's how we watch it. That's where all the money is. You're telling me you're going to go full digital and put all this stuff on the computers and that's going to work? Like these guys saw it years out. Right. And there's no telling that the people, like especially if Blockbuster took it over, they probably would have fired a lot of the people that did work for Netflix. Yeah. And, you know, and they probably never had the foresight to become what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, a- unless they kept the CEO because it was his baby. He's like, we're going digital. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course, um, Moving on to Amazon, they've done a lot um, to acquire a lot of content. 8.45 billion of MGM content, which includes RoboCop, Stargate, Legally Blonde, Fame, Barbershop, The Magnificent Seven, Pink Panther, and The Thomas Crown Affair. So expect um, <laughs> reboots or um, yeah. uh, to arise from that acquisition. So, yeah, right Amazon now. Prime is definitely low, low, low on the list. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, I love my boys though. The boys, the boys is, is great, and that's the, the best thing I watch on there. But like, right, but it wouldn't have been made by the current like Jennifer Salky would never never have made the boys. She'd call it you know misogynistic and overly patriarchal. Right. <laughs> like, which is, like like she's the they like they had House of the Dragon. Like Amazon was. Do you guys know this? No. The whole thing's her fault. You're gonna love this story. So those dudes were on Amazon making a Conan series. And their whole goal is to go back to the 80s, big muscles, broadsword, whatever. She lands and wants a very sort of like feministic slant of this. And she was – So she cancels Conan, fires them, and then pursues other avenues. That's also why like uh, the Wheel of Time remake was so like – like everybody in that show is gay and nothing against the LBGT community, but of like course, I right. all those books, like every soldier in that kingdom wasn't gay. And in this version, every single person was gay. <laughs> right. Is yeah. that an example of yeah, the yeah, you, you broke? Like, like uh, the main character, like um, the blue Aja, like I can't remember her name. I never read the books, but like she's like the girlfriend of the Amarlin Sea, like two of the most powerful women in this universe who are very good friends in the books are like fucking on the sly in this thing. Like it's just, it's left. Uh, so she fires them. They go to HBO. They make House of Dragon because they want to make their medieval epic. And it's right. kicking the shit out of her baby rings of power. Like right. she forged wow. her own doom. Entirely her doing. That's, wow. I mean. Yeah. That, that's surprising considering the boys is very edgy and quote unquote somewhat misogynistic. That, that's my point. They like started before her. She would have never greenlit that. She would have never greenlit it. Okay. Yeah. Well, they got something on Amazon with Ewan McGregor. Oh, oh, so, so, so she's involved with the um, um, they get their own um series, and that's like yeah. everybody in there is a lesbian. Have you have you noticed like the last two years everything in like Amazon and it's like and, and again it's not like these aren't important stories, but like they gotta be stories. Like they're mouth right. for a movement. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, they say they changed League of Their Own for for them to be all lesbians, right? That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Right. Like it's a little forced. That's just pandering, and that's just not, you know. It's good to have diversity, you know. It doesn't help them but, out. I mean, look, look at what. Uh, this is ridiculous. It's over the top. We, we spent a whole show on um, that Last of Us episode three and how good it was. Like, right. that's how you promote. Chachi, Chachi didn't like it though. Yeah, like it. I didn't like it. No, I thought it was drawn out and it was for characters that I'm never going to see again. I, mean, I I got a lot of problems with the Last of Us. Um, with I, the flow. I just liked that, like. The dudes didn't like 
their defining characteristic wasn't their gayness. They were survivors. Right. They were all these who just like happened to be gay. And it wasn't like, you know, they didn't come out and like that, that uh, most of the time you get like minority characters that are so monolithic. They're there to represent that minority. Right. So the gay character is really gay. The black character is really black. And they reduced right. it to only being those things. I like that that was an episode about two people that just happened to be gay dudes that, that you know. I thought it was, yeah. But I thought it would have been boring even if it was like a straight couple. I thought it would have been a boring episode because it was like it was over an hour. It was like probably like, I think it was like an hour and twenty minutes that episode. Yeah. And it's just like people growing old and dying, and it and it was two characters that you're never going to see in the show again. Yeah. And you never had never seen beforehand. So I thought this yeah. was like a boring so episode. So it had nothing to do with them being gay. <laughs> in your right. opinion? Okay. I thought it was boring. Okay, that's fair. Um, Amazon has Ewan McGregor for a series um, called Lodi, uh, inspired by a true story as told in an Alta online article by Andrew Dubbins. And uh, it's about a car, car salesman who goes from ordinary small town citizen to FBI informant, infiltrating the mafia when a key member of the organized crime offers to buy his Cadillac dealership. Oh, wow. That, um, sounds good. I mean, I. I think the streaming service that's doing one of the best for me and it's not even the most popular is, is Paramount. Paramount Plus. Yep. That's a great segue, Chachi. That's what's yeah. next on my list. That's right. <laughs> um, any Picard fans, Star Trek Picard fans? I have yet to get into the Picard, but I, I do want to watch it eventually. But uh, they finally they finally showed the, uh, the Enterprise um, that made its first appearance in 1987 in Star Trek The Next Generations. Awesome. Apparently it was destroyed in the Generations movie, but yes, they brought back the iconic, iconic Enterprise ship, and uh, took a lot of work because they wanted to bring that um, iconic Enterprise to scale. You know, um, wow. They had some stuff in the warehouse, so they had to also not only get the stuff in the warehouse, but do a deep dive in looking at every photo taken of the screen cap. Um, so they can, you know, replicate it for every single detail. So that's cool. Uh, I, I appreciate that kind of attention to detail they do. Yeah, exactly. And none of us here are Star Trek fans. It's interesting. That's one. Nah. Kind of, oh no, I mean, do. I like it. Oh, you you do do you do you watch any of the Paramount uh, Star Trek? I like, I, ref, I refuse to pay for more streaming. So no, right. I, I very much want to see Picard. He's my favorite captain, but I right. just. I had to draw the line at some point. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens in the future. I will never sign up for more streaming. Yeah, that's just a lot. And they're going to do a Paramount, um, a Star Trek film on Paramount with Michelle Yeoh, the recent Oscar winner, who's going to reprise her role as Emperor Philippa Georgiou. Um, it's a character she played in Discovery. Okay. And uh, so that should be pretty cool. Um, Galaxy Quest is a series that's in early development at Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never a Galaxy Quest fan, but the film. You like the movies? I never really got into them. Um, it's no, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tony Shalhoub. I never, I've never really watched them. Um, you were a fan of them, Martin? It was just a movie. It was, it was funny. Yeah. So it, gonna... It's, it's, it's like it's making fun of Star Trek. Kind of like how Spaceballs made fun of Star Wars, right? A little bit, but it's like it's a TV show. So it's like it's a movie about like the filming of Star Trek. Only like an alien species thinks it's real. 
so it comes to planet like seeking for these guys help and it's just a bunch of actors hanging around the set you know yeah and they've been doing it for like eight years so they're all like disgruntled and drunk and they got problems with each other and stuff i mean it's especially like as an actor in industry it's a very amusing film well that would make for a pretty good uh series then yeah that this one property that i can imagine doing well of course they're going to do a dungeons and dragons live action series at paramount plus and they found its showrunner drew Cravello. And of course, with the somewhat success of the movie, um, because of mo- mostly because of critics, they thought it was great, but the box office was kind of lukewarm on on that. But nonetheless, they're going to do a series, Dungeon Dragon series. They're also they're also going to do a Knuckles series. This is the one of the characters from Sonic the Hedgehog, um, and Idris Elba will reprise his role um, as Sonic, and Adam Polly will be returning for the role of Wade Whipple. So there you go. Um, actually, yeah. you know what? Knuckles was voiced by Idris Elba and not Sonic. I'm like, my, my bad. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure why they want to do a series because the films are so popular. I don't know. It kind of will water it down, so to speak. But, um, And then on the very bottom of the streaming list is Hulu. <laughs> Pretty much bottom because there's only one one. No, thing. no, no, no. The bottom of the list is Peacock. Peacock's the list. Okay, I was gonna get yeah. to Peacock. But their actual series, yeah, Peacock. Oh, okay. Pe- well, Peacock has the big movies though, Chachi. They all have, yeah, they Cocaine Bear, you know. Yeah, they did go with the movies, but like. Okay. Well, on Peacock, like the they have. Bell reboot was. Oh, that was garbage. Worst, one of the worst things Save I've it. ever seen in my life. <laughs> but you know what I'm looking forward to? Bupkiss. Uh, that's Pete Davidson's. Uh, Semi uh, autobiographical uh, series, um, and uh, as he attempts to work through the unique fi- family dynamics uh, from his fame and meaningful relationships, which pretty much is his real life. They talked about his big dick energy in there, which, uh, as you know, Chachi, that's probably how he landed so many women, because <laughs> apparently Pete Davidson had a monster-sized cock. Is that what it is now? I, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying about him. Some kind of reason. Yeah, which is a crazy reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's the rumor. He has big dong. Yeah, so that's how he kind of got... He sold his soul to the devil. Sold his soul to the devil as well, exactly. One of my favorites is Kate Mara. And her and uh, Brian Tyree Henry was... This is the only thing I had on Hulu, Chachi. It's called Class of 09. It's a thriller about a class of FBI agents, I guess who graduated from 09, dealing with the rise of artificial intelligence within the U.S. government. So this looks really cool. I mean, it's like FBI versus the AI, you know, kind of cool. Um, and with the rise of AI, man, it just – there's a lot of interest there um, yeah. for me to check well, that out. Did you hear, like, James Cameron's announcement? I did not. That, that we're, like, we're lost already. So it was, like, a month after the GPT thing, the chat GPT, when it's whatever, like, yeah, he held, like, a little mini press conference, and he's like – we've passed the line of demarcation like we're gonna lose to the machines uh, like it's not great to hear well, he that knows. that wrote the terminator right terminator, he's, right. he's the, yeah, yeah he's my, he's yeah like, the people, like, Ishingar's like we got to be careful he's like it's too late no you like you guys already let this thing loose it's gonna sky sky it's a it's gonna become a reality gentlemen <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god anna de armis uh hosted saturday night live wow she is smoking um She's uh she actually had a really good monologue. Um she uh as you know she's from Cuba. So she told she talked about how she had to learn English at 26 years old. She hasn't been in the US very long, guys. So Wow. Yeah, I know, right? 
Um, but um, wow, what a career for her. Um, and Imagine speak- living in Cuba and like she lives there with you and like you could probably get her. Like, because <laughs> you're all kind of like poor together. Yeah, and you had the uh, the pleasure of seeing uh, visiting Cuba. That that's yeah. really cool. Really cool. Yeah, and uh, oh, what a career that she's had. I mean, she's hosting SNL and nominated for an Oscar. You know, um, two um, longtime hosts of these respective TV shows are calling it quits. James Corden. Uh, if I don't, if you didn't know, he's leaving his Late Late Show. His final episode will be April 27th. And he's got um, Will Ferrell and Harry Styles um, for uh, his final episode. Um, apparently, he really wants to get back to England um, as his son um, is growing up. And he says his son will probably, at 10 years old, will probably only want to hang out with him for 10 more years at the most. Tops. Yeah. Because otherwise the the kid's gonna want to hang out with his friends more. So he he's overshooting. He's got like three years. Right. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's overshooting. Three years. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's um, James Corden. Um, they haven't announced a replacement yet for the Late Late Show. And this one's really surprising, but maybe not so much. Ryan Seacrest uh, is leaving Kelly and Ryan, and his last show was last Friday. But the guy was already super overworked. I mean, he was an American yes. host. He was a radio host in L.A. Then he had to fly to New York to do, like, Kelly and Ryan. I don't know how the hell that motherfucker did it, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. He does, does American Top 40. Exactly, American Top 40, yeah. He does the um, New Year's Eve Dick Clark countdown. Exactly. Well, that's once a year gig, but yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and, um, yeah, he's going to focus on his... Um, He's going to focus on his foundation, the Ryan Seekers Foundation as well, and uh, which is uh, pediatric hospitals across the country. And uh, oh, wow. focus on, of course, American Idol and his radio show on Kiss FM. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I know. Dude, right? It's got I mean, the money. I mean, he's, he doesn't need to work that hard anymore. Yeah. And Mark, uh, Kelly Ripa's husband, will be taking the place of Ryan Seacrest. Okay. So it'll be Mark Consuelos and Kelly Ripa. It's probably be Kelly and Mark. It's my guess. <laughs> Bring back Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee. She still Kathy, alive? Kathy Lee's on an, on the, another daytime show, isn't she? Oh, okay. Yeah. Can't remember which one. Um. All right. Celebrity gossip. Jonathan Majors no longer repped um, by his management company, Entertainment 360, as he faces criminal charges in New York. Um. Suspicion of strangulation, assault, and harassment in New York uh, in March 26. <clears throat> and apparently the woman sustained minor injuries that police are calling a major. Uh, sorry. <laughs> name. Police are uh, <laughs> describing as a, domestic <laughs> a major domestic dispute. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> now, majors, of course, is denying wrongdoing. He says he's completely innocent. The victim's justification. Cheers about like they dropped him real quick and he's like on he's, fire right now. He's on he fire. Has, Creed. Yeah, Creed, all the Marvel, Marvel stuff. Like, movies. Yeah, he's so like for them to drop him really fast is either a gross miscarriage of justice or this thing is bad. It's one of those two yeah, things. Because it wasn't I don't think it was even that quick because like this news came out like a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
and they didn't drop them then. So I'm wondering why they waited a few weeks and then dropped. Now them. they're dropping them now. Yeah, that's like, what do, I'm saying. Like, do, do they, they have do they have evidence of uh, wrongdoing? Yeah, we'll we'll know when, like when Marvel or like when Disney Marvel goes to recast Kang if they go to recast. That's the thing. Kang, Disney, it's in Disney. <laughs> all, the, key. the whole new phase is built on his character. I know. They're, I mean, they will have to recast. I mean, I feel horrible for the guy they that recast T'Challa. If they, yeah, that's true. Now, I don't know what they're gonna do. <laughs> so we'll just have to wait and see. If yeah, there's, is... I mean, is, is there evidence? We don't know. I'm King's more evil twin brother. Bang. That's what they're gonna say. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they dropped um, Johnny Depp for a lot less accusations. But he yeah. at least lost a court case. Just for defamation, though, it yeah. wasn't like he was never found guilty of anything. I know, but like I'm yeah. saying, like there was at least some sort of like the one in England, he he yeah, lost, the England yeah. one, which was but the just most, for defamation, yeah. which doesn't mean that you're guilty yeah. at all. It's just that they didn't have enough evidence to prove that you weren't guilty. Right there, you go. Yep. Now, can you believe Danny Mashin back on trial? So he he got the mistrial for the first that's, one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, hung hung jury because the jury couldn't come to a um, unanimous decision and because of that now jury selection is going to happen for another trial so i saw him smiling and you know you know video of him exiting the courtroom after the mistrial was announced but he shouldn't have been smiling man because now he's got another case you know um the same three alleged victims but with one more one more victim um so there's gonna be four total victims this time taking the stand so uh we'll have to see what happens there and our well wishes go out to jamie fox who has been hospitalized in atlanta f- uh following a medical complication they didn't cool. disclose what the me- um, medical complication was but his daughter corinne fox uh, posted on instagram that he is on his way to the recovery so um well well wishes to the one and only jamie fox and of course, we always end BTB with um, our rest in pieces. Um, Murray Melvin, a British actor known for his roles in The Phantom of the Opera, Taste of Honey, Torchwood, and Barry Lyndon, that died uh, at the age of 90 in England. Mm. And speaking of Phantom of the Opera, that has ended its run um, yeah. in New York on Broadway. And The Phantom of the Opera, Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, said that the final performance was dedicated to his son that recently passed away. Oh wow! Oh, so, I don't know. How long was yeah, that on Broadway? Not Angela Lebber, but his his son. His son passed away. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know his son died. Yeah. How long, how long was that on Broadway for? Thirty for some years. Was it really? Damn. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Yeah. Same thing like Trafalgar Square, London. Like those are those shows that just never come off. Like Phantom never comes off. That's interesting. And I, I wanted to see Phantom of the Opera. You haven't seen it. Well, I saw it years and years ago, but um, glorious. Yeah. Wow, the fan of the opera goes out on a high note with 3.7 million. I mean, they'll do their tours, but as far as their Broadway stint, okay, so I have the article right here. Um, closes doors this past Sunday after 35 years. 35 years, wow. yep, went on a very high note. Um, for the biggest uh week ever obviously everybody wanted to see it um over 3.7 million um for for their last week and of course the high ticket prices uh, probably contributed to all that um 
that's a thing. You can make three point seven in one week because you're selling tickets. It's not like going to a movie theater and you're yeah. and you're paying like fifteen dollars a ticket. You're just yeah. spending like yeah, 200, 300 <laughs> yeah. a ticket, you know. <laughs> we also lost uh, Jung Che Yul, South Korean actor, best known for the comedy Zombie Detective. She was a young, only 26 years old. Mm. Cause of death was not disclosed. Um, very, very sad when it's um, a young actor like that. Yeah, definitely. And we definitely celebrate life for those. Uh, another trip around the sun. Um, happy birthday, James Woods. 76. Oh. Happy birthday, Rick Moranis. Another icon for you, Chachi. He's 70. 70? Wow. Rick Moranis is 70. Wow. He seems so young in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, right? Eric Roberts was a BTB guest from a while back. Yeah. He's 67. Happy birthday, Eric Roberts. Good for him. I know, right? Uh, actor John James from Dynasty and the Colbys is 67. Conan O'Brien, talk show host, is 60. Mm. Eric Mc- yeah, I know, right? Six years old. Yeah, it's weird. You look great, Conan. You look fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric McCormick from Will and Grace is 60. He was the Will in the Will and Grace duo. <laughs> A lot of people hitting milestones today. Yeah, right? Seven years old, six years old, a couple of Yeah. Uh, we have David Tennant from... from uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and also um, Doctor Who, and he's 52. 52, okay. Um, Melissa Joan Hart, can you believe Melissa Joan Hart is 47? God. I know, right? Her name is Clarissa, thank you. (laughs) Clarissa explains it all. Clarissa. Um, Courtney Kardashian's 44. America Ferrer from Ugly Betty's 39. Vanessa Kirby from The Crown is 35. Alia Shawkat, Wrestled Development is 34. Britt Robertson from Under the Dome is 33. And Chloe Bennett from Mar- Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nashville. She's 31. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yep. Wow, look at that. We're ending in a respectable time, gentlemen, just for you guys. We've been trying to streamline some BTB by myself narrowing narrowing the list every week and trying to make everybody it's good work not, it was we, still a big list though yeah, yeah. I, I still got through it right <laughs> i figured out the key to getting to getting done on time so what's, what's the secret well the, the key secret, is not to have a live guest the secret is not to have a live guest <laughs> like 35 minutes and Thanks. when we when we do have a live guest you have to stream it even more yeah so there you go but uh that's it and of course that's that's the secret of our success. We're actually uh, going to be playing a pre-recorded interview with Hollywood, Hollywood royalty, I guess. You know, the son of of Cher and Sonny Bono, Chaz Bono, as you know, is a transgender actor. Um, was born Chastity Bono and went yeah. through a transition, uh, I believe, in 2008. It's actually documented in an indie indie film, but uh, he's got. He's got a great. He's the OG. He's the OG, OG. trans. Remind remind me of this. Am, am I wrong with the name? You remember back in original Nintendo, there was that game Skate or Die. Yeah. And whenever you went to the guy, he's like, "Look out for my son Chaz." Isn't the name Chaz? 
you might I think be you're right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's and I like and, yeah. and he's the guy that you joust in the empty pool and the joust right. like look out for my boy Chaz. He's out there with one of them skaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I implore everyone to watch this film. It's great. It's on Tubi. Tubi, of course, is free. It's called Bury the Bride. It's a crazy horror film. There's a lot of hot chicks in it, guys. Okay. So five girls that go on a bachelorette party and um again the fiance surprises the bachelor party with his crazy group of bloodthirsty friends and craziness and death ensues. <laughs> Come for the hot uh, chicks and stay for Chaz. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next week, guys, we ha- present Stranger Sings creator. This is the parody of Stranger Things, the musical Jonathan Hogue, along with more interviews from Monster Mania. So got a great show yeah. next week as well. So don't miss it. Wrapping up with a great three-man panel here tonight. I'd like to thank, of course, on behalf of the panel, the king of the 80s, Chachi McFly. Feels good to be back. That's right. The one and only, the once a future king, the last Numenorian, the one true knight, Martin Lopez. Future, I mean, a pleasure as always. See, yes. like you, screw, you screw up my name and then I screwed up the line. Did I screw up your name? I think I got it all right, didn't I? Yeah. Oh, no, you went back and fixed it. He's like, the, okay. once, and, the once and Only King is still a good title. The Once oh. and Future King is the official. I, I thought I said The Once and Future like, King. But... Yeah, you, you can't bitch about being the only king. That's kind of <laughs> part and parcel of the title. <laughs> and here is Chaz Bono, guys. A great interview here on BTB, guys. On behalf of the entire panel, we will see you guys next week. Until then. All right, guys, special interview time here on Below the Belt Show. We have an amazing interview with a great actor, the one, the only, Chaz Bono, uh, here to talk about his crazy, wild, supernatural horror film, Bury the Bride. (laughs) Chaz, thanks for talking to us here on BTB. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of a... A safe assumption, right? Crazy, wild, unexpected. Um, <laughs> just yeah. Please, yeah. Let's talk about the film if we could, because yeah. uh, again, a supernatural, um, yeah, horror thriller film. Um, but yes. yeah, go ahead, Chaz. So it's um, you know, it's about uh, the, first of all, the really what's great about I think our film and why why people react to it. I mean, there's the scares are there, the twists and turns are there. Um, you know, the excitement and the, uh, but and the suspense, but I mean, I think at, at its core, it's a, it's a film about, you know, complicated relationship between two sisters, but there's, you know, there's a lot of love there, especially I think shows up with his group of friends and that's when things kind of go from bad to worse. And yeah, from that point on, it's just, and you're one of the friends, right? And you're, you're, your character's name is Puppy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I play Puppy, and Puppy doesn't speak a lot. So uh, you know, f- for me as an actor, it was a, it was a challenge because I really had to convey uh, and set up this character and the story that's to come. Really, you know, through body language and facial expressions, and uh, and then Puppy eventually does get a chance to tell his story, and it's. I think it's it's a it's different than I think what people are probably.
honestly expecting to to come from him. Yeah, certainly. Um, I didn't expect anything uh, when I was seeing uh, your character and, and a lot of other characters. Um, what would you say? Was there any inspiration that you took into the puppy character? And portraying that role specifically. I mean, not specific. I mean, you know, as an actor, I mean, it's I I make choices, and um, you know, as I'm as I'm working on my lines and reading the script, and 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 for puppy, you know, puppy to me seemed like somebody um, suffering from like extreme PSTD, and yes. you know, we meet him at a moment where. Um, you know, he's going into this weekend where he knows certain stuff's going to happen. And, you know, I don't think he really wants all of that to happen. So he's, he's a, he's, you know, he's a weird dichotomy of the character. I mean, by the nature of what he is, he is inherently unsafe, but he also, you know, is somebody who doesn't relate to his fellows um, and doesn't, um, you know, I think doesn't want to watch what's about to happen, really. Almost the the best of the worst, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I guess, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a good way of thinking it. So I saw your credit as a producer. Can you talk about that the aspect? Because in addition to being on screen as an actor, you all served as a producer of the film as well. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been looking to, to produce something for a while. I really went into 2020 thinking, you know, about creating content and then my industry completely shut down. So with the pandemic, so it was, it took a little while, but when I, um, when I met Chrissy Fox and we have the same manager, uh, we hit it off, you know, immediately became close friends. And that was when I, you know, first started talking about, you know, that I was looking to get into into producing that I really wanted, you know, specifically to to produce horror and 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 what did she think and what were they working on and and um and when Barry the Bride was done, uh the script, you know, they they gave me that and I read it and and that was before I knew what character I was playing. Um and but I just I really liked the script. I found it I found that I could visualize you know, as I was reading, I could really see this movie in my head. And, and that's not, you know, something that always happens at all. Um, and I liked, yeah, I just, you know, I, I liked what the film was about. I liked this, you know, this camaraderie uh, between women that is, you know, portrayed in this film. And, um, and I really like the ending. I don't want to give it away, but I of really... Course. You know, I love the ending. I found it just, I think that was probably the thing that, 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 that gave me the final, like when I read that, I was like, I'm in, I'm definitely in. I think the it. ending could allude to another film, a sequel, if you will. Yeah, I know. That would be amazing. We'd love that. I mean, we've talked about that and it does, you know, it sets it up really nicely. So if, if, yes. If people like this and, 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 you know, and a lot of people get to see it, that's definitely a possibility. I know it's something that we'd all like to do. Yeah, absolutely. So the film was actually directed by Spider One of Power Man 5000, which I thought was really dope. And if you didn't know, Spider 
uh, Spider is the younger brother of Rob Zombie, who is another acclaimed yeah. musician slash filmmaker. Uh, right. was your, how was your experience uh, working with Spider? With Spider? Um, it was really great. I mean, Spider, I think, is a, just an incredibly talented director. I loved his first film, Allegoria. And um, and with this, he was, you know, I, I think he, we have we have like, you know, Spider and I are about the same age. We have, I think, a real similar sensibility um, of, you know, that love for kind of more simple films, um, older, you know, films. And um, and I just, I think he he just did an amazing job with this film. I think it looks beautiful. I think it's it's directed really well. Um, you know, uh, Chrissy Fox uh, did all the post-production on this. They're, they're just a great, you know, they're a great team together. Um, and they're they're great to work with. And Spiders, um, you know, he lets his actors do a lot. And that's, you know, that's great. He's not heavy-handed with, with his actors at all. So it was, you know, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're more like family at this point with me, but... Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great experience to work with him. Awesome. And I was saying Chrissy Fox has amazing credentials. Not only she's an actress, she's the producer, she's the writer of the script and she's also yeah. a music composer too, right? She's a music composer and she does every, she does all our posts. She does her. Wow. And editor. That's amazing. Posts. She does all the editing. She does the sound edit. She does everything. So yeah, she's an incredible, incredibly talented woman. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I was like, wow. But like what I love about the the, the film is because it, with the Bachelorette party, there's a lot of co- comedic moments. And, you know, yes. if you didn't read the synopsis, you, you almost didn't know what you were getting into. And then it, right. uh, it does that uh, that turning point, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think, yes, the beginning of the film has some has some, you know, levity. Um, uh, Lindsay LaRose, who plays the character Carmen, is just mm-hmm. a an amazingly uh, talented comedic actress. And I think, you know, really brings a lot to this beginning of this film when you really need it. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's got that, you know, to me, I, I like to describe it as like a roller coaster kind of in the first yeah. third of the film when you're getting to know the characters and the relationships and everything is kind of like climbing that hill slowly. And you know that, you're about to take off like a bat out of hell, but you don't know exactly. <laughs> that's that's kind of what you know it feels like to me. Yeah, and of course you also have uh, another great horror known for a lot of horror movies, is Scout Taylor Compton. Yeah, because June. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How, how did it go about uh, getting her as part of the cast? Um, well, Scout was in Allegoria. So, you know, they, he worked with her in his last film and, um, you know, they've known Scout a long time and, uh, and she just, you know, read the script and, and loved it and um, does a really good job in it. I mean, she, she plays, she plays the character of June, who's the bride and is just great in it. Fantastic. We have uh, Rachel Brunner as Liz, Katie Ryan mm-hmm. as Betty. And of course, uh, the group of crazy guys yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> composed of yourself, Cameron mm-hmm. Copperwaith, um, Adam Mar- Marinowski. Yeah. Yeah. And Dylan yep. Rourke. And Dylan Rourke plays yeah. David. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic cast. Of course, you guys were, uh, par- you're going to be a part of the Salem Horror Fest. 
yeah. happening tomorrow night. So that's yes. really cool. And it then is. You're, you're recently part of the Panic Fest in Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, in April. Um, yeah. And of course, you guys are now streaming on Tubi so audiences can see this film. Yeah, yeah. We start streaming on Saturday on yes. Tubi. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, uh, it'll be, it, it should be pretty great. It's, and it's free. So everybody can just That's sign the up. Thing. We love Tubi. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually getting um, the film on the platform of Tubi was any challenges? Uh, you know, is there any kind of approval system you have to go through to get a film on Tubi? Uh, no, they, they just, they liked it. They, they bought the film and, and that's where it's going to be. So, yes. Amazing, amazing, amazing Chaz. I mean, wow. What a film. I mean that, like I said, the turning point audiences, you need to see it. Jaws were dropping. Um, and you got an amazing cast and beautiful women <laughs> and crazy guys. <laughs> so, that's right. That, yeah. You got everything you want in a horror <laughs> film for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, but I want to talk about some of your uh, recent acting projects. You did Curb Your Enthusiasm not too long ago. How was your experience uh, playing uh, Joey Funkhauser? It was really fun. I mean, I, I, um, I'm the kind of actor who, I, I mean, I love to walk into different circumstances and do things slightly differently. And, yeah. and, uh, and Curb is, you know, everything on there is improv. So that was, you know, just so much fun to work on. Plus, I got to, to work with Larry. Um, what a who, guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, you know, I, I love that show. I've watched it since the beginning. So it was, yeah, it was great to, to be a part of it there. You know, they, they treat you really well on that show. Everybody was super nice. It was a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. Um, so yeah, I had a great time. Did improv come naturally for you or is that, uh, was that a little more challenge as opposed to scripted? Uh... No, no, it did. I mean, it, it did. I mean, I don't have like, you know, I'm not one of those actors who has spent a lot of time in improv classes or anything, but it did, you know, it did come pretty naturally to me. And I, um, and I had a, I had a really good time, you know, working on it and, and uh, doing something a little different. Yeah. Now talk about the different roles I've seen, I mean, even in uh, American Horror Story. Your role was quite another baddie, another yeah, baddie. yeah. That kind of yeah, leaned yeah. a little, pretty much the opposite of you. Would you say that character on AHS? Oh yeah, uh, Roanoke. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I would say cult even more so. Cult uh, even more. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, cult more so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really, I did. I really enjoyed working on those. It was um, challenging and. I got to just work with such great actors and, and, mm-hmm. and crew and everything. It's, it's a fun show to work on. Yeah. And if we can remind our audiences, you played a, a right wing mm-hmm. MAGA hat wearing. That's right. <laughs> Completely something that, that Chaz probably wouldn't wear in his normal. <laughs> no, not something I wear in my normal life. Huh? <laughs> that is incredible. Awesome. Well, Chaz, this has been incredible. I mean, uh, are there any other acting works? I saw you had some uh, stuff on your IMDb. Uh, yeah, I've got another film coming out later this year called um, The Bell Keeper. Uh, it's a horror film. Um, I, I'm i a little bit of the comic relief in that one. So oh, nice. it's it's also, it's, it's, a, it's uh, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I think it's going to be a great film. It's a great script. The cast is amazing. We had a lot of fun making it. 
And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping people are going to really dig it. That is awesome. Wow. You got some great, great things coming out. Of course, please audiences check out bury the bride, which, uh, wow. What a title. <laughs> There's a lot in that title. It's a, it's a lot to, uh, to, to soak in. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, wow. I was thoroughly entertained. I was uh, freaked out. I was surprised. Jaw dropping moments. Um, has, has, has mom share seen it? Yeah, she has. Yeah. We screened it for her a while ago. So, um, yeah, she, she really enjoyed it. She's, oh, cool. She's, yeah. She's starting to, you know, kind of appreciate the, the horror genre now that I've been working in it for a while. So that's cool. I love it. I'd love, I'd love to see you two in, uh, in a horror film or some kind of project together. Oh yeah. Me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Um, so, uh, if you could, uh, before we wrap up, uh, Chaz, let us know who you are. Throw a plug for Barry the Bride. Let us know you're on Below the Belt show and throw out a catchphrase for uh, um, okay, well, this, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is Chaz Bono on, on Below the Belt, and I'm promoting my new merit movie, Bury the Bride, um, and I hope that you all will check it out. Very, very cool. And if I could throw out one more thing, um, I what I think is great is that um, as a, a trans Gender actor, you're you're breaking barriers, Chaz. You know, you Thank no longer you. have to play a transgender character in film and television. And we recently saw, saw that with Laverne Cox in uh, Venting Anna, and also yourself in some of your roles. Um, and uh, certainly a trailblazer and uh, yeah. uh, a role model. Uh, is there any comments or how do you feel about that? I mean, it's you know. I don't look at myself that way. I don't think anybody can, but you know, if I, if I'm helpful to people, uh, um, you know, then I'm, then I'm happy. Okay. Very cool. There it is. All right. Well, thank you. That, that concludes our interview with Chaz Bono here on BTB. Uh, make sure you again, check it out Tubi. it's free people. Um, what do you got better to do on your Friday night or Saturday night? Because it premieres on yeah. April 22nd. Watch it. Chaz, thank you so much for joining us here on Below thank the Belt you so Show. Much. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.